The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Ron White has brought a wandering puppy into this studio. She's tangled in the wires now. Yeah, you know what? We could just put her out there. There's a they got new puppies out there. Let's yeah, just put her outside. She doesn't need to be around these wires. Let's, let's have her do that and play with the puppy. Yeah, she'll do that. How old is she? Six months? Six months. She's adorable. What's her name again? Maddie. It's yeah. just uh, like a rug that shits. <laughs> she's, that's what she is, she's man. She's a little adorable little she's cutie a pie. golden doodle. Micro golden doodle is what they're calling them. Micro golden doodle. Yeah, so that's about how big she's supposed to be. That's it? That's as big as they get? That one's supposed to. I hope so. Isn't I gotta, weird? I still got to cram them on planes and shit when I would travel. That they, those things all came from wolves? Did they really? Yeah. I don't know anything about where she came from. I I got her from a breeder. <laughs> <laughs> all dogs came from they, wolves. They did? It's just incredible that they can get a dog down to that. That they can. I mean, even a German Shepherd. Imagine turning a German Shepherd into a Chihuahua. How? How'd they do that? I'm glad I'm not, not the one they're asking how to do it because uh, I would have to say I have no idea, dude. I don't so, even think they know how people did it. You get it two chihuahuas so and let them bang. That's the only. You that's, get the boss the chihuahua. Way. I wonder if you can go back up to a wolf. When you can take chihuahuas and, and get like back, over 10, just reverse years. DNA those things back yeah. into a creature. Yeah, make it harder for them to live. Is it hot in here? No, it's not. No. Oh no. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Then I miscalculated something. Uh, I got a miscalculation going on in my head. No, we're good. It's like what is it in here? Seventy? It's cold as shit outside. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm up in the air on the twenty second floor. I'm still living Ooh. in the condo. It is breezy up there. Yeah, boy, you open up that sliding glass door, you get a taste Ooh. of reality. <laughs> when a couple of days ago we could barely shut it, you know, or, or open it. It was just so much pressure against it. We we're in Midland on Wednesday or Thursday night to do a show. Thanks to you, if you'd have just let me retire, <laughs> I wouldn't have been in Midland. In a, but I'm sitting on my bus, my sixty thousand pound tour bus, and it is shaking in the wind. It is blowing so hard, and I've owned that bus seventeen years. I've never felt anything like this. And they just shake it. And that bus driver had to drive it from there to Houston for the next night's show. And he got up at 10 hours later of just wrestling that steering wheel, trying to keep that thing on the road. Oh, my God. His shoulders were killing him. His back was sore. I mean, it looked like he'd been in a fight all night long, 10 yeah, hours. Think of what a, a bus is such a big target for wind, too. There's so much surface like area. Big old sail. Yeah. And, uh, but luckily, they weigh a lot. So they're 60,000 pounds, and, and uh, you know, so it's pretty stable compared to a trailer, right, that, that somebody's pulling. Right. There's no weight in that. All that weight's right. right here. That stuff really blows around worse than we do. Yeah, I would imagine. We have got weight distribution. Just the whole trailer thing I know all connected. about this shit. If you want to know any of it, just ask me questions. Okay. All right. <laughs> the hinge. Think of something. Between the two trailers, if something goes sideways, I would imagine that would be a lot harder to get back on track. I don't know jack shit about that. In fact, <laughs> I don't, I don't, in fact, I've owned my bus for 17 years. I've never driven it one foot. And if you held a gun to my head and said, I'm going to kill you if you don't move this bus, I'd say, you're going to have to kill me, dude, because I don't even know how to start it. 
I've never been curious. I'm not that kind of person. I, I owned a jet for years. I never went in the cockpit. I couldn't tell you what goes on up there. I didn't. I'm sure the people up there knew how to flew a plane, fly a plane, but I've never started it. I've never moved it. I've had cops bang on you. Got to move it. You're blocking an alley. I'm sorry, dude. You got the wrong guy. And the guy that says the driver is asleep right now because he's got to drive tomorrow night. So it's kind of sitting where it's sitting unless you guys want to tow it. You've had that happen? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I had. Uh, yeah, because drivers can only drive so long. Yeah. They, well, you drive five, 500 right? miles and then you're then they go on overdrive. So they make the same for the next couple of hours that they made for the whole day. So they like that. But, you, but there are laws against how much that they can run without without needing some rest and we run that bus banking. at night so you know they got to sleep during the day you're banking on people being able to stay awake people fall asleep at the wheel sometimes yeah you got to go you got to go with super pros and pay them well you know because those guys understand the the how important it is you know that you got everything on this thing yeah you know my life my friends lives you know yeah uh and my family you know that's who i've spent the most time with in the last uh whatever 30 years and um you know, they so you get a pro that knows how to sleep, knows how to do it, knows how to work it, knows how to work those hours. And you know, I got a great guy now uh, that I just picked up named Steve, who used to work for Prevost fixing them, mm. and a friend of Pat's who used to built the bus. So I got the bus covered, man. That's nice because you got like a little traveling apartment. It's yeah, like your it's spot. It's the greatest. You ought to get one. I, in fact, I was looking at them the other day for you. Dude, uh, I did. I was I'm not like, getting one of those. You got to. You got a place to store it? No. Park it in one of your gyms? No. Just the thought of traveling around on highways while you're just kind of, you're hoping all these other people around you can keep their shit together. Right. You just have regular people, not pilots, regular people (laughs) driving multi-thousand pound machines on rubber tires, weaving in and out of lanes. Yeah, you you can't ever come on my bus with thoughts like that, spewing yeah. them out there. I'll never sleep again. Uh, Some guy you're just cut for in everybody. front of me the other day didn't see me on the highway, I don't think. I think he just cut right in front of me, and I was like, wow. Never saw you. We were I don't think the- he saw me. I think he just turned in my lane. I think, you know, it was a left lane thing. He was going into the left lane. I just don't think he saw me. I, you know, the the problem with that with that bus is that you get so used to it and you're so used to living on it when it's moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of forget that you're standing there, but you're really going 70 miles an hour. So if something happens, and this happened one time, we were in Orlando, and it was actually a cop that did it, cut in front of the bus. I'm standing there washing dishes or whatever I was doing. And then Pat's got to hit the brakes and turn to the left from going for oh now I'm going 70 miles an hour I'm still going 70 miles an hour but he's going 52 and going that way and I'm going 70 miles an hour this way and uh I landed on this chair which looks padded but it doesn't feel padded when you hit it and uh I thought I would never walk again or breathe again <laughs> after I just walked away from it I wouldn't even hurt but uh you, you got to sit down and remember hey this thing's moving right so yeah. if something happens you got to be ready for it to happen yeah and I sleep like a baby on it. So. Ooh, that's crazy. In fact, I spend too much time on it. I got to hire somebody to shake my bed when I'm at home just a little bit to, so I feel like I'm moving down. If the road. we wanted to look at the bright side of human beings, highways are a pretty good indicator that people, for the most part, keep it together. For the most part. I think that's really how you can really tell when you're back in America 
and how good we are at, at putting a country together, you know, is how good our roads are compared to, you know, you, it's really funny if you cross the bridge from uh, Reynosa, Mexico to McAllen, Texas, which I used to do all the time. It was a joint project. So the U.S. built half the bridge. Mexico built half the bridge. And I'm not being a racist and I love Mexican people. I just got back from Mexico City. But our side of the bridge is smooth as silk, and as soon as you hit that river, boom, 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 boom. But that just goes to what you just said. It's a, it's a mark of what you've achieved as a, as a as a civilization, the kind of road work that you've got. And you get back to Texas where we got those U-turn lanes on the freeway. Yeah. We got it figured out here in Texas, man. We got the best roads ever. <laughs> best roads ever. It's just just counting on all those people to keep their shit together all the time while you're driving on the highway. And most people do it. Most people, the vast majority of us, keep our shit together. That's why I think bus drivers should make more than pilots because there's way more shit to run into. Oh, yeah, way more. And, uh, and than way more things there. that can make mistakes that are all around right, you. Right, you're right. The, the things that are completely out of your control. Yeah. That isn't going on up in the sky there. There's also people play stupid road games. I'm sure you've seen those. People get aggressive with each other on the road. When when you're in a car, and this was explained to me, I forget who told us, who told us this, with, with the, the reason why road rage really exists at such a hyper level is because you're really tuned in because you're driving the car. It's an extraordinary thing. You're, you're really, you know, you know things are happening fast, so your mind's tuned in. So any little thing, like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. You're already at, like, seven. Right. And so when you're already at seven and something happens, it just, it freaks you out. It's You know, it's amazing how, how even-headed I think I am, but what really little it takes to set me off. You know, I yeah. like to think I'm a step above all that stuff, but I was in Mexico City the other day, and this guy, I needed to find something, um, a, a pharmacy. And, and then, so this guy was a, it's in the nicest Beverly Hills part of Mexico City. And this guy's walking, he's got a business suit on, and I literally, I don't look that great. My hair's all over the place. And, and uh, I said, uh, can you tell me where a pharmacy is? And the guy didn't even look at me, he just kept on running. I said, please, could you just tell me where a pharmacy is? And the guy didn't even look at me, I said, fuck, you know, I went off on the fucking guy. You know, he was just trying to get where he was going and didn't want to be stopped by some big, hairy, drug-addicted-looking thing, you know, that was coming at him for You do questions. look a little sketchy. Like, if you're asking for where the pharmacy is and I don't know who you are. Right. And, and, and I I'm, can see some And I'm basically wearing thoughts. pajamas and, you know. <laughs> The wind's blowing, but oh. but that's how far I am away from really snapping. I, I'm not I'm not way I'm not hovering above ever anything. I don't think there was always the joke that you could go to pharmacies in Mexico and just buy anything. Is that true? Because people would always say that they would call them like Mexicans. Mm. I was always calling them Mexican supplements, yeah, like steroids and things that people. Could I buy think over there, there. you know there true? there are some things that you can get like Valium and stuff like that but you can't go down there and get like opioids or oh you no know, i don't think so you know i don't know i, I don't, don't know i'm just i mean according to a few tiktok videos i've seen you can walk in and get lots of like steroid type stuff for sure i'm looking on like for some Google yeah you can get hgh and stuff like that but that's not what you're talking about i'm talking uh, about everything like what can you get yeah yeah no what i don't think it's really there? that open a book i know you can get cheap yeah, dental care but i think there. they decriminalized a lot of things in mexico fairly Ooh, recently this isn't anything that crazy you can get that stuff here lexapro so you can just go in with no prescription and buy viagra but but the weird ones like lexapro isn't that that's like an antidepressant right 
I have no idea what that is. You can just go buy penicillin. Yeah, and why not? I mean, why should you have to go through it? If you know exactly. if you need penicillin, your Prozac. dick's dripping, you know, get right. some, get something for it. You know, go down there and patch it up. You yeah, don't want to you, you, you don't want to admit it to anybody. <laughs> that thing is a Viagra. It's a blue pill itself. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. Look at the dick on What that. does it say? Macho <laughs> caliente? Yeah, very hot. That's what that means. Very hot. It's a pharmacy hey, with a, a dude with a boner. He's got he's he, got abs too. He's, he's, he's got a little gut, but he's got it's like a mix between me and Rogan. Uh, he's got a big old fucking upper body and a gut hanging down there. It's a human Viagra pill with a boner at and a, a pharmacy and a, and a sombrero. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's too bad you can't see this. Oh, I guess some people uh, watch this on television, yeah, right? What's some of them do, yeah. Isn't that that thing from like the ancient times? Yes, it is, but it's also I think it's a sleeping pill. Oh, okay. Right, I but it's you're... right next to a bottle of shampoo, <laughs> right? It, or that's just lotion, body lotion. Isn't right? it kind I of ironic that so is soma? Is it sleeping medication? Fun of what it is. Because the the original soma was like muscle from relaxer. muscle relaxer. So the original Soma, they don't even know what it was. They've just there's all sorts of uh, questions as to what it was. They think it had something to do with mushrooms, perhaps, but it might have been a bunch of other psychedelics too. They don't know what it was. I still don't know what it is. Have you heard the term? No. You never heard the term Soma? Uh-uh. It's like an ancient term for like some sort of a magical elixir. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I mean this when I Google it, it says that it itself is also a god. So I don't even. Some oh, wow. drink is most I want famous. Some. <laughs> yeah, ancient Indian drug soma. This is, oh, this is right down my alley. Made from a plant called soma is a god and a drink that was used as an offering to the gods in some Vedic rituals. Soma was celebrated at an early period, as shown in the hymns of the Rig Veda. Wow. From when? They don't really. Oh, fucking thousands of years ago. When was that? And they still use this today. No, it's just it. You know, it's it's, now it's, it's more of a used term. as like a term, as like a soma, as like a thing that cures all. A soma is a thing that clears minds. This doesn't say it's just a some. You know, there's various interpretations of what it does, but it's kind of crazy that they they named a muscle relaxant that. Like how right. brazen, how brazen. I bet you do feel better, though, overall. I bet overall. you feel great. Yeah, my muscles are pretty relaxed all the time. Yours aren't. You, you need the muscle relaxer. What do those do to you? They just conk you out? They make me uh, play better golf because it takes the tension out of my shoulders and my swing. Really? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of golfers use all kinds of meds oh. to get loose. Or, or they actually go down to Stretch Lab and, and get those muscles all stretched out so you can play. But, I've, I've heard with pool players, Percocets is a big one. Well, that's all nerves, right? I mean, if you can't... Is that what Percocets do? I, uh, well, yeah, I think so. You know, calm your nerves <laughs> or deaden them or whatever, you know? I've never I've never taken it. I've been watching this, this. There's a pool player that comes up on my feed now, and he's like an old kind of chubby, fat Mexican-looking guy. And he's like the greatest pool player that ever lived. You Efren know? Reyes. Is that who it is? From the Philippines. Fuck, man. Yeah. I've been watching that guy play a oh, little bit. Once, I, once it gets on my TikTok, it starts feeding to me if I know I eat it. You know, they'll go, oh, here, have another one, have another one. But I liked watching this guy play fucking pool. I'm yeah. just like, God, he's, he's fearless. He's got ice water just pumping through his veins, you know. He's a wizard, man. Like a real wizard. He does things on a pool table. There he is. Yeah, that guy right there. That, that guy's all over my TikTok feed now. I can't get him off. He does things on a pool table that are, like, magical. 
How old is he? Well, he's older now. You know, he's probably in his late, yeah, like 69, says. And he's That's still, old for still play. He still plays all the time. There's, they live stream videos of him playing people yeah, down the Philippines. What that's what I'm getting, I think. Yeah, so they have these thing. setups. Like, Efren Reyes is, you know, really arguably the greatest pool player in the history of pool players. And he's now still playing all the time online. And he plays online. And he's not as good as he was when he was in his prime because, he's, you know, he's 69 years old. It's a young man's game. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I know. I played pool my whole life. We had a pool table at my house when I was a kid. And uh, so so I, I always like watching, you know, trick players and people that could, uh, you know, run, run the table and do yeah. weird shots and stuff like that. This guy changed the way people stroke the ball. He came along and he had this very loose and relaxed uh, hand grip on the cue. Right. Whereas some of the American players, they were a little too tight with their, their hand on the cue. And Efred came along and it was like this flowing sort of like, almost like he was playing a musical instrument. Whoa. Right. And it, the way he did it is so relaxed that his stroke... Like the way the cue ball would dance around the table was wild to watch, man. Wild right, that, to maybe watch. that's what I'm so intrigued about because yeah. I, I don't know exactly what I'm seeing, but it, but I was watching it on that, and you can see he does have a a, a different motion into the ball. Mm -hmm. It even looks like you know with that. Well, you've played pool before, yeah, right. So if you played pool before, you know like when someone looks like they're good, yeah, like oh that guy looks like he can play pool. You watch that guy, and you're like, oh, this is like a completely different kind of thing. And then you would guess that. That I I would guess if I saw him on the street that I could beat him at pool and uh, <laughs> and then he would have all my money and I would go what the fuck happened to me just now they brought him over to America under a fake name to hustle with him they brought him over as Caesar Morales so these backers they came from the Philippines these dudes of big money and they came to America and they brought that dude no shit yeah that's their killer and they brought him the the, the, the pool world is so sneaky. They brought him in under a fake name because they didn't want people to ask around back to the Philippines, like people to make calls to the Philippines. Hey, who's this Afrin Reyes guy? And then everybody would just say, oh, he's the best. He's the best. So instead, they just came up with a name, Cesar right. Morales. And he won this giant <clears throat> tournament as Cesar Morales. It's like a famous. No shit. Yeah, I have, a, I have it on a T-shirt that Morales stuns field at Reds. So they just bring oh him in God. to like the biggest pool tournament in the country. And this guy's just robbing everybody. Just robbing everybody. <laughs> just just getting out in ways that people are like, oh my God. Like his stroke, his knowledge of where the ball's going, the creativity. Just a genius. Genius, genius, a virtuoso. Yeah. When well, I actually music. knew nothing about him except my, my, except my phone figured out that I liked watching him. Right. But you uh, could still uh, tell. Yeah. You could still, yeah. even though you don't play a lot of pool, you look at that, you could tell. You're like, wow, that's wild. Yeah, I never played a lot of pool. I was never good. I never had a good eye for the, for the game. I played a lot so I could play, you know, I could beat my friends. Yeah. But if somebody came in, it was like ping pong. I could beat, I beat the guys on my block pretty bad, but if somebody came in that was a player, they could just push me around and shove me out of the door. I've had a couple fun opportunities to play like real pros here. Like this guy, uh, Fedor Gorst, he's uh, probably number two or number three in the world. Incredible player. And me and him played for hours here. And we're playing. It's just, it's wild just to watch him in, up close do things. You go, what the fuck? Like, how are you doing that right. so effortlessly? Yeah. 
It's like watching a professional golfer when just you play golf, you know? The smoothness yeah. and the precision is just like, oh, fuck, man. Yeah, that's why I watch pro golfers, and I get to play mm-hmm. with them every once in a while. And, it, and it's actually kind of like that guy's loose thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's how that golf swing is. It's really loose, and it's and it's uh, and nothing's really connected hard to anything. And it's just the way it comes through the ball, it just, um, something magic happens. Yeah, it's a. I'm trying to strangle the club and beat it to death, and it doesn't work at all. And uh, I'm writing a a book right now. Fifty years of bad golf, how I did it, and uh, like like I had a plan to do it this bad for so long. Tony says you play good. No, I, I, you know what? That, I'm back like I, I'm, I'm like I was at anything. I can, I can beat guys my age. If you don't know me and we're playing golf together, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> but, uh, but am I a player? No, there are guys ten years older than me that could beat me to death uh, on a golf course. You know, any of those old pro guys that I hook up with every once in a while, Daly can still beat me like a drum. But uh, isn't it interesting? It's like there's a control of a game like that. What an extraordinary talent, because it's all it's so variable. There's so many v- things going on. You, you 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 literally do never do the same thing twice, the whole time you play golf your whole life, because something's going to be different about the wind and the way and the where you went, the kind of lie you got on the ground, what club you need to get to that, and it's all a game of questions, and you and you rarely have the answer. Even Ben Hogan who was arguably the best ball striker ever, said that in an average day of golf, he hits two shots the way he wanted to, exactly. Wow. And the rest of them are close to that, you know. So his misses are really good. So if I hit one shot a month that I about, that I'll go, that was perfect. And, uh, and that's, that's about how often I can do it. Everything else is pretty good. It's such a fascinating game. Yeah, you don't have the time. Nope. You don't have nope. the time. Nope. Nope. I don't. Uh, no. I'm scared of it. I'm scared I'd love it. You would. And uh and but you've always had that position, right? You've always kinda looked at the golf. So that's a and that's what people I that want to get into golf, they think about starting. It's a waste of time and money. You need to understand that going into it. More time than you can ever imagine. And uh, you have to settle with how good you want to be because to be better than that, you gotta spend hours and hours but you can just if you can want to just rake it around and gamble with your friends, you know, you don't have to practice all that much. I knew quite a few comic buddies that I think lost a little inspiration in their career because they were spending so much time playing golf. Yeah. Well, that's how I killed my days, and I, I still do to this day. You know, when I, when I was on the road like you were, I don't know what you were doing during the day, but I was I was trading uh, tickets for uh, <laughs> for free golf, schmoozing it wherever <laughs> I could. And, so you and, just play uh, everywhere you go. Yeah, we still do. You know, that's that's uh, nice. We travel at night, wake up at a golf course, crawl out. You're in the parking lot. You know, it's like you were FedExed over there. That's great. Crawl out of the box and play some golf. You know, kill another day. Kill another day. You're over here building an empire. <laughs> I'm killing another day. Yeah, but killing another day is sweet. Yeah. To be able to do it that way. I mean, yeah. what is life? What is life if not enjoyment? It's all about love. Yeah. It's all about love. How much do you love? How much care you loved? You know, outside yeah. of that, nothing really means much. But uh, yeah. But that's, you know, I, it's a waste of time or whatever. I could do charity events with golf. People like to see me, you know, shake mm-hmm. hands, and I like doing that kind of stuff. So, you know. That's... Well, you just love the game. You I just, do love you the love game. You love talking about the game. I watch it, I, you know, it's because yeah. I play it. You yeah. know, it's like. 
like you and fighting, you know, exactly, because you know exactly what that is that they're doing. You can't even hardly explain it to me, uh, even when you're trying to, to make me really understand what's going on exactly. When two guys are on the ground and it looks like nothing's happening, and then you're losing your mind because there's so many things happening. That's a hard but, one to explain, too, because I'm trying to explain it while it's actually happening, so I have to have the path carved out in my head, like especially on like some transitions that guys do. When they're going mount to rear naked choke, and I'm 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 trying to like set up what he's gonna do while not stepping on what they're doing, you know. And then it's like this weird uh, dance with the description of what's happening in real time. Right. That's why nobody can ever take your job. God, a lot of guys <laughs> could do that. No, no that's oh, not they, true. They, a lot of guys could do not, that. That's not true. No, these guys are if, awesome if, at it. If Rogan doesn't say it, it doesn't get said, nah, that's and that's true. true. No, that's, that's how not, people no, feel. No, you know, no. they sit around waiting for you to. Tell them what to think and do, and that's uh, as far as fighting goes, that's know? ridiculous. No, there's there's guys that are better at it than me. Uh, like uh, Dominic Cruz is better at it from a technical standpoint than me. You know, he's he's had he was a UFC champion. He's had a shit ton of fights. He knows a lot about the technical details. Yeah, but he, he but he's not things. but he's not Joe Rogan. <laughs> so it's yeah, not as, I mean, it's not as fun to hear. Yeah, you know? for me, the fun I get it, but for me, the fun is the fight. The fun is the you know the who the and fuck you, knows what's gonna happen. You can you can tell that you can see the joy in your face that yeah. it brings you with the, you know with all these these uh, fucking events. And, well, you're getting to see the literally the greatest fist fighters of all time, the greatest stand up, ground fighting, MMA fighting warriors of all time. They exist right now. Now it's I pretty get, excited, and I get that, and I get that it's the ultimate sport. Okay, I'll fight you. You know, that's how war should be decided. One guy and one guy. <laughs> instead of, we're going to take our lower right. middle class, put them in a field with your lower middle class, they're going to kill each other. Yeah. Uh, you ought to just fight me in the fucking alley. That's too difficult, Ron Wife. So they'd rather just fight you with narratives. Right. Fight you with mandates. But, but you know me, I won't, I won't listen to their narratives. Yeah. That's how I defend myself. I don't, I'm <sighs> really careful about what information I let in my head. Because I don't know what's going to stew around in there. Um, I hear you, man. I hear you, especially in this day and age. And also, there's like there's so much to worry about. Every fucking time I get on the news and I start reading what's happening in the world every day, it's something new that's insane that you have to worry about. I know. And that's why I'm just real careful about what news I let in my head, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I, I, Don't I, let it in. And I've got, you know, I've got news feeds on my phone that are, these are news organizations that I trust that if something wacko in the world's going to happen, it's news and they're going to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but if it's something completely unverifiable that I don't even need to fucking know, they're not going to pick it up. And uh, so, but if, I know when people go down that fucking dark road in the web, they come out on the other side and sometimes they're, you can't get them back. You know, they're full-blown. I got friends that went out, came back full-blown QAnon. They believed it. <laughs> Satan, it, they're Satan-worshipping cabal of Democrats that eat babies. I'm like, where are all the missing babies? You know, you, how many babies does it take to feed all the Democrats if they're all drinking the blood of the babies? <laughs> there's going to be some missing babies, right, somewhere? No, no, yeah, they're, they're from overseas. I don't, they'll, they'll, they've got some answer to anything you throw at them. Tom Hanks is like, that's not true. Tom Hanks still making movies. Tom Hanks didn't eat a baby. Yeah, he did. And they believe it. Where did the Tom they Hanks believe one it. come from? I don't know. Where did that one come from? It's just straight out of QAnon. It was, it was their basic doctrine in the beginning was 
all this bizarre claims. And I, I, I got a friend that's, well, you met her, and I'm not going to say her name, but it's, I mean, she believes this with all of her heart. Right. All of her heart. And there's yeah. nothing I can do to, to, to say, you know, I, nothing I can do. Nothing I can do Ron, to change her mind. I think at least a certain portion of that is other governments fucking with people. In, Absolutely in these, in these it chat is. Rooms Absolutely it is. Yeah. And you can sway the uninformed. They're not uninformed, yeah. they're misinformed. Yeah. They're informed, you know, they're taking in information, but 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 it's just the wrong information and so you can be easily manipulated by that kind of stuff. I mean, the human yeah. nature wants to go where it finds comfort, you know. Yeah. And if somebody's feeding you what you eat, you you'll go that way, you know, even if it's not good for you. And people have a very strong desire to like uncover mysteries, right? You know, very strong desire yeah. to get to the truth. Yeah, because and, in a, in important situations, like if there's something real going on, that's a that's a good quality. It's a good quality to have. But if it's you know they're eating babies, it's like okay, right? What what's the benefit of eating babies? Like right. why are they doing oh, yeah. this? It gives them, gives them some kind of superpower, you know, it, it, it's so bizarre and so off of any, what I would consider realm of possibility of every, even part of it being true. But, you know, people go down there and they'll see just a path of things that lead them, you know, some of it true, some of it not true, not true, not true, not right. true. And they'll head off down that direction. They don't come back, you know, they you know, it can separate families, man. You know, we don't talk to grandpa anymore. He's gone off the fucking deep end. And you know what's really insidious about that is that the more crazy ones that are out there, and the more people start linking them all together, the more real conspiracies sneak through. Because if you're if you wanted to hide a real conspiracy, I would hide it in a bunch of other bullshit conspiracies. I put a bunch of bullshit ones out there. Sure, but I'd make it so that morons sure. believe that Michelle Obama has a dick. <laughs> you know, right. like, I would just pump uh, it out uh, everywhere. I'd make fake and, videos. And that's what. That's you know? exactly what's going on. That's what's going on. And uh, but and, if you did that though, then you could sneak in some real conspiracies, and that otherwise people would think, well, that's outrageous. That kind of corruption would be uncovered right that kind of corruption would be prosecuted and you're like wait no one's going to anybody's getting busted for this this is right what right no and nobody investigated is. right so it's not really happening it's you know? bananas but and, and also people want to uh you know and I, I know because somebody that has no formal education right i don't have any formal education i didn't make it through high school uh my my favorite joke that I ever wrote was I do have a GED and if you don't know what GED stands for you've probably got one too. And, uh, that's one of my favorite jokes. But um, you know they 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 would love to have the answer to a question. You know they would love to be able to make a point of some kind. You know they would love to but they can't because they're you know they just sit around watching other people do it and I wish I wish I could think of something to say and I, I can't think of anything. To say. Well, if there's somebody feeding them something to say, now they get real loud about it right. because they have a point to make, even though they don't understand it at all. They just know how to sound like they're making a point, like yeah. Lauren Boebert or you know, or Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever. Uh, they that's who they were, and now they feel like they can make a point, so they're real fucking loud about it. And, and but if you've actually been around a while, you just sit around and shake your head and go, "You're a goddamn idiot." But all you got to do is be the smartest person in your region and boom <laughs> you're in congress you know 
they think she's smart as fuck down there in that one little section of Georgia where my Taylor's out of. It's the problem with it is like how many people that you know want to run the government? How many people do you know? How many? I mean, how many people that you know that are like really healthy, clear thinking, business minded people that have been successful that want to run the government? Nobody. Fucking nobody. Nobody. So you're not getting any of those folks. No, you're not. And what you're going to get is you're going to get their money to influence things in the direction they'd like to see it go without them having to be there doing day-to-day stuff on it. So Wait. they can have influence on it, but they don't want to. They don't do. They want to be the president of the United States. Do they no. have it set up like a minor league? Like they groom politicians they get him to a position and like i like how you stand on this right, but maybe yeah. if you stood a little bit further on yeah, this line sure. we could support oh, you on absolutely this. and then they start absolutely. grooming them yeah. grooming them for the big stage just right. like you would do with like regional plays and all of a sudden you're on broadway right well you that's know? you know that's the religious right you know they're you know they wanted they want somebody they want to get rid of abortion so what are they going to do they got to stack those courts what are you going to do you're going to okay we got uh, there's a trillion of us and we'll put you in office, and we'll be. But you got to, you got to put this judge here and this judge there. So what our thing comes to pass? So that's just the way it works. I'm even more cynical. I I just can't believe that human beings as a whole haven't resolved a bunch of different things. There's a few, there's a bunch I don't I don't believe are really coming back around. I think people are making this argument that they're coming back around and they're highlighting moments where it's coming back around coming back around to what i just don't i just i mean i think this is one of the weirdest times ever for human beings to communicate and i think because there's so many of us and there's so many people that are talking and there's so many voices and it's happening on everyone's phone and it's happening all over the fucking world, all at once. It's never been like this ever. Ever. In the history, and it makes you wonder where it's going. I think it's short-circuiting everything. I do, too. It's short-circuiting our government. It's short-circuiting. It, it makes me nervous. And one of the things that makes me nervous, this government that we have, it's complicated. Complicated It, it is complicated. So fuck. you just can't be some douchebag on the side going, I want them out of there. You got to have a plan, because this thing's got to work. Yeah. You, you, want, you don't want separation of church and state? Well, why don't you just move to Iran then? Because that's what happened over there. The religious right took over. Now our laws are your laws. That used to be a pretty normal place. People don't believe that. But Iran used to be fucking strawberry rivers and shit and normal people with jobs. And Ron, there were people that were willing to laugh at people's deaths because they didn't want to get vaccinated for COVID. There were, there were people like that at the same time thinking they're good people yeah all on the internet i know i know you know and when it came to all that stuff you know me i don't talk about politics on stage and i never i never knew and i never will and uh and and it's not oh you just want to be able to sell tickets to both people but no i want stand-up comedy to be a place where we can laugh and I'm going to do what I, you know, I, so I'm not going to take a position. I never did. If I was a political commentator before, okay, that's fine. If I'm not Bill Maher. So I don't bring it into my show because I want us all to come in and just be able to fucking laugh together and find out how much that matters. 
And at the end of my shows now, I'm reminding people that no matter what our differences are, we just still came to this room and we all laughed at the same thing and we laughed hard and we loved each other and we had a great experience. Let's remember that. Let's try to get back to that. Right. You know, instead of all this, all these stupid little things that makes it look like we have it's like fake rivalries exactly. almost it's like it's not like uh you know texas and oklahoma they're you you they're the same place exactly there's no difference between those two places and they act like well we're oklahoma and somebody put that in their head you know and what i was getting at was that if they're willing to do that over just some issue of whether you want to or don't want to get a vaccine what would they do if they really believe that god was on their side what would they do in a Anything really bad they yeah, could a really when things go really bad anything when the they power could. goes out for a while anything they could yeah and you know, and it, justify it and and i and I, that's what's dangerous is they yeah. genuinely do believe that yes that, that we, we would be better off if we did things like this mm-hmm. for sure under these laws of god in this book uh, the Bible, when Jesus would get back to his basic teachings that I really dug, you know, which is love each other, love, love, love. And wait a minute, that was Lennon. But still, Jesus was singing a similar song about, you know, uh, and, and with a good positive message. And that message was always of love, you know, yeah. back when I went to church. And, uh, you know, my uncle's still a preacher to this day, Dr. Charles Pollard, still preaching to the American Indians out in Farmington, New Mexico for no money, you know, wow. has 23 people about at every service. And then he goes to jails and, and he's 90 years old, you wow. know, still working to this day. still wow. Knocking it out for the Lord. And, uh, and he used to be the president of the Southern Baptist convention. Uh, my, my uncle did. So that was a very powerful position. And, uh, then he fell out of favor with him cause he just didn't believe in some of the doctorate and, and then he started, he showed up at my grandmother's birthday party on a Harley with no shirt on. I'm like, oh, no, Uncle Charlie's gone nuts. And, uh, <laughs> so he went down to Corpus, I think it was, and he started this kind of the gospel according to Charlie thing. And and then he yeah, was just a kind of a phase he went through. And then, he, you know, <laughs> but now he, he he's... Uh, still believes in in that basic doctrine and uh and i love him to death he's one of my favorite people i'll talk to him all day long you know i just he's a treasure it really is and just a sweetheart of a guy about all about you know love and sweetness that's awesome his wife died and uh and i asked him i said did your knowledge of uh, of god and jesus and did that help you with her death and he goes nope <laughs> not a bit it hurt and it hurt and I hated and I didn't understand it. I was like everybody else, you know. Yeah. Didn't even help. So now, but that's just how honest he is. So. Wow. Uncle Charlie. Isn't it listen. fascinating how much religion's practiced by so many different people in so many different ways? And yet, if someone tried to start a new one right now, Good fucking luck. Good luck. The 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 feds would investigate you right. immediately uh, right. if you start the, if you start your own religion. If you bought some land out in Bastrop, right? And the the Ron White we, Church. No, and you're already thinking about doing no, no, this, no, aren't no, you? No, you're no, just no, putting my name no, on no, it. No, no, no. I know what you're doing. I'm not interested in any of those activities. I'm not either. But if you did, I would get my uncle to come run it. They would, uh, but you would 100 percent get investigated. Oh yeah, I would. <laughs> but yeah. if you wanted to open up a Catholic church. 
if you said you converted to Catholicism and you wanted to open up Ron White's Catholic Church, right. they'd be like, oh, with a mission and respectable a, right. position to take, Ron. Right. Good, good for you. Yeah, Congratulations on converting. It's hard to get new money. It is. Yeah, you can't start. You can't have a, be a startup in the religion world. It, I think they that's what Uncle Charlie found out. <laughs> You've got to be a hook to a brand of some sort. You have to be in business with the big guys. You can't, you can't, I mean, like Scientology, that's, you could, you could, you can get wild and go with them or, you know, Mormons, you can get wild, go with them. But if you just want to like go like straight Christian, it's like a very acceptable pathway. You, yeah. You, you, and, and you, and I can get along with you. If, if you're Scientology, that one's really hard for me to swallow, but it's hard. it, it is hard. just difficult. Let me ask you this. Like, what are the standards? Like, say if you wanted to start a church. Like if you were legitimately committed to the Bible and you became like a Bible scholar. But all you've scholar, really done is write science fiction novels. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's that guy. That's the Scientology guy. But I'm saying if you wanted to start a church, like a church, a, a Christian church, what would be the requirements? If you just say, you know, I've been studying the Bible for 10 years. I want to teach at a church. Could you just open up a church? How does that work? I don't. Well, you, you're you're asking me this like I've done it, but Stop, well, I I'm have trying it. to get you to do it. That's I, the next thing I'm I, trying to get you to yeah, do. Yeah, I know what you're up to. That's how you manipulate people, Joe. Do that's you, how, that's I, how they built his empire, by the way. You look like a Jesus type figure. What are the requirements, Jamie? If like if you wanted to start the Church of this Jamie, is a perfect question for ChatGPT. I thought yes. so. I asked ChatGPT, and there are twelve steps they gave me. Ste- twelve steps. Determine your purpose uh, and beliefs. Clearly define the purpose and beliefs of your church. This includes your mission, vision, and core doctrines. Okay. Two, legal structure. Choose a legal structure for your church. Options may include becoming a nonprofit organization, establishing a religious corporation, or forming a religious association. Consult legal experts to determine the best structure for your situation. Name Okay. So it seems like you just have to, like, get a legal thing, you know, like you would, like, some sort of an LLC or something. Yeah, or whatever. Well, what do you want? You, what you want is the tax-exempt status, and then the rest of it doesn't really yeah, matter. Get true. that tax-exempt status, then you can start hoarding wealth yes. in the name of Jesus Christ, yes. of the Latter-day Saints right. or whatever, and you can hold all these billions of dollars in real estate holdings all under that tax-exempt status. If they start, you know, the, this is the only thing that gets me going, is big church, big Big church, uh, we need to tax big church, and 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 uh, and 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 those pastors of those mega churches, they need to be looked at under the biggest, brightest light you can look at. Joel Olstein, fuck you, Olstein. <laughs> I tried. He said it right here first. Now the mattress max seem- makes a much better. Uh, to me, if you want an example of how Christ wanted us to live, it would be Mattress Max and not Joel Olstein. Do I don't know, know who Mattress Max Well, is. he's the guy that bets 10 million bucks on the on the uh, Astros every year and wins. Uh, he, this is how he got famous. That's Mattress Max right there. He dur- During the big floods in Houston just a few years ago, when uh, here's two things that happened. Mattress Max, people were literally dying in the street. Mattress Max owned huge furniture stores. Come up here. He opened them up. Sleep on them couches. I don't care. And I'll find a way to make food for you guys. And, wow. I mean, people bringing hot dogs and shit down there, making everybody food, slept. Just make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you're safe. And, uh, and... <laughs> Look at it. This is it. All these wow. people over at Mattress Max's furniture store. He brought in everybody he could. 
but Joe Alstein wouldn't even let him in the door because they just had the carpets redone at his cathedral church, and he didn't want people tracking shit in there. Didn't and, he eventually uh, give in, though, and let people stay there? I don't think so. I, I thought he I did. They, well, if he did, he, he did he, it for the wrong reason, right? His Mattress he, Max did that for the right reason. These people needed to get in out of the cold and wet and whatever. There he is. There he is. He defended not opening Lakewood Church yeah. in Houston to Harvey victims. He defended it. Yeah. And yeah, because of that carpet was just cleaned. And look at him. Bro, that's so crazy. Yeah. First of look all, at him. You, 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 it's, it's, it, it's so obvious. Like, doing something like that is so obvious. You have a private jet. That's It's so obvious. You have a mansion. It's so obvious. How much is that watch? This is so obvious. What yeah. are you doing? Is so obvious. This this is not. It did eventually correct. Way do you see even weeks after that post? The super duper rich church guy. It's a fucking crazy thing. <laughs> you know, the humble and I, eyes and of you Jesus. You know that I could do it. I, I could totally do it. That would be my calling. And, That's what I'm uh, saying. You and, should do it. And uh, I mean, that doesn't mean I should do it. Yes. Listen, if you do it, we'll all join. We all get like tax free something. We'll work something out. Right. And it'll just be us. And that's but what I, the government with a great fault. Can we, can we bring the 11 million people that listen to your show under? We yeah, everybody them. under one umbrella. Come on, guys. Come on, get behind this. We that, don't even know what it is yet, but we're going to let you know. That's the thing you could never do today. Like, imagine trying to start a new country today. Fuck you. We would never let you. No. Uh-uh. Never. No, we'd thumb you. Yeah, we'd get the sh- fuck out of here. Yeah. It's like, just like you're trying to start a new religion. Uh-uh. Nope. Nope, no new countries, no new religions. We're not hearing it. Religions have to be old as fuck, so they might be true. Right, or at least have some kind of connection to some really yeah. ancient text. Yeah, or or this, you know, the Scientology one, they just threatened to sue. That was a genius move. What they did was amazing. They they threatened thousands of lawsuits. Everyone was going to file a lawsuit. They're all lawyers. It's the same with those <laughs> fucking Latter Day Saints guys. Those are you got a bunch of lawyers. Got to give it up to them. That's pretty ball. Yeah. Pretty ballsy. Yeah, and, it worked. And, and and you're selling a something that's not easy to sell. You know they got a, that story. I mean, none of it is. <laughs> You know, the, the, the stories I believed. Well, that's why I wrote that beautiful joke that didn't work the other day and uh, about the Christians and the lions. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, let me break that down for your listeners. Because uh, I'm writing, apparently I'm writing my worst stuff right now because now I can write stuff that nobody will laugh at out of 250 people, 250 people don't laugh. And, uh, but when I was a kid, I was raised in the Baptist church. Uncle Charlie, my preacher, when I was little. And uh, so, but there was a storybook wasn't the Bible, but it was just something we got in Sunday school and it depicted Christians being fed to the lions, which always stuck in my craw that that was a big story, a big deal. I mean, you know, I don't, I know we've all been oppressed, but feeding them to the lions, that's a pretty big deal. And I really thought it was universal knowledge. So when they were looking for a new name for the Washington commanders, I suggested the Christians because when, and, and, and I thought about this joke for three days, and I thought about the buildup of laughter it was going to get. It was going to work so well, and they were going to end up changing the name of the comedy club to Ron White's Mothership <laughs> because of this one joke and how well it worked. 
But the way that it was going to start, the rumble was going to start, is like I said, when, when Detroit comes to town, they're going to make the connections of Detroit, Lions, Lions, Christians, my storybook from my childhood. And that's, that's the rumble of the really hip laughter. And because when the Lions get back to the, that's the next laugh was going to be, uh, when the Lions meet the Christians on a plebeian playing field, we're, you know, so none of it got a laugh and none of it, none of it worked. And they stared at me and there was a good crowd too. They were waiting for the next funny thing that I said. And, uh, and that was it. And I really was expecting it. And it just, I was never been so wrong. About Do you a, think a you're just old enough? To where you're like over that curve where the Christians and the Lions were more recent than they were. Yeah, I just don't think everybody got that storybook. Nobody gets I, that anymore. No, I didn't. Well, obviously. We used to get I got it. Yeah. I got Christians and Lions. Yeah. I got that connection. I don't think kids get but that But you said connection. you would have told me not to do it, which was a lie yeah. because you would have told me to do it because you, you want me to try new shit. Always wanted to. But, I just... I was joking around. You'd I said, "Don't." I would have told you not to do it. I was no, joking. you would have told me to that do it, you and you would have been wrong. But you told you me it bombed been wrong. before I even found out about it. it did and I said, "I would so told bad. you not it to do that." So laughably, I laughed so hard at how wrong I was. That's how but little. That's how you fuck around and find uh, out. Isn't that the truth? That's how you. I mean, bits are fascinating. They change. They change their structure like on stage. I, I could do five minutes now on why that joke didn't work. Yep. And but that would be way more entertaining than the joke ever was. You know. <laughs> Show up Tuesday. Dude, I was watching a video today of this uh, lion gone wrong situation in a, a circus. Whew. Oh, my God. These people, this uh, lion attacked this dude, and they're hitting it with a hose. I mean, this guy's getting fucked up by this lion. And they're spraying it with a hose to get it off. That's how they get it off with a water hose. And he gets away, and then the lion gets him again. And the lion gets them again, and they're water hosed it, and they're beating You got it. footage of this? Yeah, there's footage of it. It looks like it's Russian. Um, <laughs> if you don't find it, Jamie, I, I'm 99% sure I saved it on my phone because it's so fucked up. But I'd have to go through it, and that would be some dead air. Russian hose. I forget who sent it to me. You don't edit these things, do you? The podcast? Yeah. No. I want it to be like this. Right, right, right. Yeah, I want. I like a little dead air. This is it. So something happens. Oh, it's a circus thing. Yeah, something yeah. happens. This line just decides, E fucking enough. Ooh. I mean, this thing just jacks yeah, his too. Well, that's what happened to, you and know. See, they're spraying him with a hose to try to get him off. I and mean, this guy got fucked up. I mean, he got fucked up by those lions. That is so scary is, yeah. to have a thing like that bite you. Right. Well, what are you doing in there? Crazy. Are you fucking That's crazy? That's what Zigfield and Zigfried and Roy. Zigfried and Roy. I can't even Zigfried and Roy. That happened in that room that I played at the Mirage. That was that. That was their room, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. That's where that whole thing went down. Yeah, it dragged him off. Bit bit him by the neck and dragged him off. In front Just, of a live audience. There's all the speculation to why it did it. All the spec. No one knows. Right. No one knows. It just decided I'm going to bite this guy's neck and drag him off. There was a thought that it was uh, afraid of uh, some woman had uh, feathers on her hat in the audience and that it threw him off. And I'm well, like, I you really think move. that fucking tigers are scared of a lady with feathers on her head? That right. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think it just decided to bite that guy's neck. But I'm not a tiger. Maybe expert. that guy would have been a, was being a prick. You know, under the guise of being an animal lover, but at night he was like going, "Don't give him the expensive food," and you know. Well, maybe it was give him that like cheap. it was probably punishment. It's probably what they do to the tigers to get them to listen. 
Right. You know, like what did they do when they were training them? You know, did they ever cross the line where the tiger always remember the time you heard it? And right. then it lashes out at you. Yeah, I'm going to find a fucking yeah. opportunity. Yeah. I'm going to sit here. Yeah, you'd think the Tigers don't have It's going to be served cold, baby. It's going to be served cold. It seemed like for the most part they got along with those Tigers for a long time, though. That's what's weird. They lived at their house, yeah. right? Yeah. The Siegfried and Roy, they lived at their house. They were at one with them. They fucking cuddled them and yeah. you know, loved on them. And they do say that Tigers, when they protect their cubs, that's, that's how they do it. They grab them by the neck and they drag them off. But he's just too frail for it to do that to it just fucked him up. Yeah, right. No, and, and the, that, those were big men, big, strong men. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a, you know, these guys were weightlifters and right, but circus I'm saying, people, but nothing compared to that fucking lion. Yeah, you're not nothing. like a cub. A lion cub, oh, no, like no. the way yeah. a lion picks up the cub, it has all the skin, so it grabs all that extra right. skin. You don't have any skin, so it just yeah, grabs right. your no, fucking right. neck. Yeah, it's all vital organs all, <laughs> and shit, right? Jesus yeah. Oh it's, it was God. a shame that he, you know, he, he lived a long time as a... Oh. As a Crippled person. Well, he did. He lived several years, right? So it was just a horrible story, man. And that the the show was shut down because, like, that's the reality of having tigers on a stage in front of a bunch of people. Like, you just don't know. It's just for one reason or another, some crazy person could stand up and freak out and yell, right? And the thing could just launch itself out. The, the, is this the, it? The no, question no, no, no. is... Oh, don't you no, show it to me, no, son no, of a I, bitch. I've been trying to find it. I don't... It's not really... What, what like could go wrong? Everything. You got to ask yourself that question. What could go wrong? Because that might... Oh, he's, it's, wait, he was saying something about his diminishing relationship with that lion? This is or a tiger? video from four or five years ago. I was trying to see if it had uh, <clears throat> an answer to all the questions you guys are asking. But, but it said something about his diminishing relationship with it. Oh, yeah, my God, he wrote it like a horse? There's speculation on, from someone they asked on this. Yeah, report. like an ex-employee or something. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I saw that. Oh, so the, the, going, the tiger was, and him were not getting along? They don't, I, that's, again, it's just speculation. This just has new allegations right. about the attack, which is... This would have been like 15 years after the attack even happened. Dude, almost nothing scares me more than animals. <laughs> right? I'm so scared of them. That's why, you know, that's, that's why you go out of your way to, to kill them when you can. And... Well, those aren't, I'm not scared of those. Although, I'm, you should be. Boars? I'm, Don't you hunt boar? Yeah, I do. Dude. Yeah, those things can kill yeah. you, Joe. They definitely can. Yeah. yeah they can. <clears throat> yeah. I'm thinking elk more. The, the, the boar thing in Texas is fucking bananas. I just love it when they catch them all in them cages. That's, and, and then what do they do with them? They, can you eat them? And yes. is, is it just pig meat, right? Yeah, it's pig it's meat. It's just pork. Oh, it's really you good. You can make really good bacon and shit out of it. Well, why why are there any homeless, hungry people it's a good if question. we got those wild boar all over the place? Wild boar are very good. Very good. Um, there's a guy in town, uh, uh, Jesse Griffiths. He owns uh, Die Due restaurant, and he's like a real wild game cooking expert and amazing chef. Yeah. And he has wild boar dishes at his place. He even teaches people how to hunt wild boars, cook them, and, and how to hunt them down, how to f fire a rifle, the whole deal. Takes them through the whole thing. Butcher them. Skin them, eat them, shit them into their commode. Butch Fuck with me. He's like, they're delicious. Fuck with me. But it's also, Boar. it's it's, it's a, not just a renewable resource, but you really, we have an obligation to kill them. There's too many. Yeah, they're, they're fucking up land. and Oh, there's yeah, an insane, a, there's millions and millions of them in Texas. Yeah. And they keep, they have babies three times a year sometimes. They can have babies when they're six months old. Can I tell you a story about a frog? Yeah. I lived on a lake, Lake LBJ, in this house, and there was a frog, big bullfrog, and he was lived by my pier and i would go out there and i would see him and he'd always jump in the water 
And uh, and but he was that's where he lived. He was always a big old fat thing, that this big, biggest bullfrog I'd seen. And I'd go down there and fish, and then I'd come back there. And then one night he didn't jump; he stayed there. And I'm like, oh, he's not afraid of me anymore. And the next night I brought a net down and I caught him and I killed him and ate him and I shit him into my toilet. And uh, and the other frogs went out and told other frogs, don't go near there because that's what's going on. He's he's just waiting for you to be still and he's going to kill you and eat you and shit you into his toilet. You and think you they figured that you part down. out? I think they did. I didn't see any more frogs after that, after the missing of that one frog. Yeah, I bet if you started feeding them, they'd be hanging around. But if you start killing them, yeah, right. They're probably right. They're they're gonna. They're, it's not gonna catch on. Do you think they do a roll call? They try to figure out where everybody is because some animals do that. Do they really? Yeah, maybe that's what frogs are doing. They're Uh oh, where's Toby? Yeah, what are they doing when they're doing those noises? Those noises are cool as fuck. By the way, if you ever buy a lake at night and you hear frogs making noises, oh, it's so I, cool. I hate them. Really? We had those little frogs that when noise? I lived in Atlanta. You know what we did? We would That's go, they would with a mouth that big on a little frog barely that big, making this big old loud noise that bugged the shit out of me. And you could, they were easy to catch because you go know, with a flashlight because they don't know that you can see them, you know, <laughs> and they're making all that racket. You can just pick them up, put them in a can. And then we would take them. This guy I didn't like had a pond right behind his house, and we'd go dump them all over there. And he's like, God, uh, frogs around here. They're fucking all over, making all this racket. Yeah, I don't know. Not over at my house or not. Yeah, that's that one of those little. This is night music, Ron. Uh, this is not the ones we had. We had ones where. We just need to put together a better band. Yeah. Well, they're going to put that band together over at that pond behind that guy's house. Because you know, the that's thing where about, they all live now. The thing about frogs, like, they're very predatory. Like, frogs, you ever seen frogs in, like, a cage with mice? It's one of the most disturbing things you'll ever see in your life. No, I've never seen that. This is that. giant Asian frog. I had it on my Instagram. Um, it's on YouTube. This is giant, uh, some kind of Asian frog. That one, the second one down. This, oh. the, the yellow, where he's yellow. Watch this one. This one is fucking insane. This frog's insane. So they put these little rats. I can't tell if they're Morning. mice or rats. Those are mice, right? Yeah. Mice. They look like mice. Okay, so they put these mice in this fucking, no, those are rats, man. Those are little rats. Yeah, those are rats. Yeah, okay. And then they put this giant frog in there with them. And I don't know why they all, they're trying to jump and get out, and all of a sudden the frog oh, just decides to start eating them. I think. I think they're trying, just trying to get out. But look what he does. It's, he's a monster. This is like a Star Wars monster. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. He eats them all, He's Jabba too. the Hutt. Yeah, exactly. He, he eats them all? This one's not effective. I've seen other, I think he's probably already full. They probably look how fat he is. They probably filmed these all day long. God, how cruel. But is he anybody, eats, the one that I saw, he is ate anybody a bunch trying of them. to put a stop to this? <laughs> Nobody's putting a stop to this. Nobody Nobody's, cares about the rats no and the frogs for frogs. For um, rats or frogs. Get we'll, no respect. We'll make that part of our religion. Isn't you, it funny though? Like if the fro the rat was eating the frog, I'd be more disturbed. Oh my God! Look at how gross that yeah. thing is. Yeah. Look at it. Look at how big it is. I've never it's even seen been... a frog shaped like that. Oh, oh, look at it. Slow motion. Yeah, come on over here. Yeah, let me tell you something. I got a little story for you. It seemed like the rat ran right in there. Yeah. Like fuck it, let's just get this over with. Oh my God! What a way to die. Oh, with your, your balls no. hanging on the chin oh, of a yeah. thing that's swallowing you. Look at those little balls. Oh. 
Oh, the last dying quiver. Oh, bro, he's going to stay alive inside Don't, that thing's gut do for not quite let a while. your children watch this. This is really, really So gross. disturbing. Yeah. I've, I'm trying to unsee it, and I can't do it. I can't do it. That's what happens. That's nature, man. That's part of the Joe Rogan experience right there. That's nature. That's why you shouldn't Ooh. have crocodiles in the street. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't import wolves into your neighborhood. That's right. That's why you shouldn't bring grizzly bears my, back to California. My mother. Slow down, everybody. My mother wants a, uh, you know, and you know how low things got with mom. Now, I want a cat. And I'm like, no. Mother, you can't have a cat. Jeannie's allergic to cats. No, I want one of those uh, Bengal cats. They're hypoallergenic. Oh, my God. For my mother, my 90-year-old mother. And, uh, I, yeah, I think they're pretty good-sized cats, like 15, 20 pounds. And uh, I'm like, no. She said, I want you to get me a Bengal cat for my 90th birthday. And I said, Mother, number one, I'm not advancing you any more birthdays. you got to show me the number. you got to get to the number before you get your 90th. I'm not fronting you any 90th birthday. I'm gonna, you have to get to that number to get that present because you already got them. You know, you're already advanced all you can. So so if she, <laughs> once she lives to be 90, she might get a Wow, it's just a few months away. No, aren't am I thinking of the same kind of cat? Like, which ones are the one, which ones are Bengals? It's a horrible idea. There's some of it's, them that are they're basically like a wild cat. Like, yeah, well, they're not very many generations removed. I yeah. think is the problem, and I think they're perfectly good cats, but they're really big and they're really a lot of energy. I th and they're kind of different because you can take them out on a leash and stuff. My mother doesn't want to do that. She, I'm like, take get a York leash, what or something, a little lap dog. She I, wants a big. Am I fucking this up? Is it like is it the same thing? Is a bangle the same thing as those other ones that like? No, I think they're called bangle kittens. You know, they, yeah, they're not yeah really that's it right there. That's yeah, just a regular bangled cat. Okay, yeah, so, they're so that's cool a looking. regular cat. So I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking yeah, of a yeah. serval. Oh yeah, no. Okay, so what is a bangle cat? Just a cat, right? Is that yeah, just a cat? Yeah, but it comes from the bengal tiger, and you know they're just a handful. You know, oh, it's not like a big old floppy lap cat. These cats, you know, they kill, they're big time killers. They got to be involved in stuff. They've got a lot of energy. They're big and strong. So they're up to like, you know, 15, 20 pounds, I think. Look uh, at the description. The Bengal cat is a domesticated cat breed created from a hybrid of the Asian leopard cat with domestic cats, especially the spotted Egyptian Mao. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that. There you go. I was. In my head, I was like, I think I fucked up, and it's the wrong one. That one is crazy. I've seen people have that one as a pet. There's, you have? Yeah, yeah. Did John Jones have one of those as That's a pet? That's just a lion. Didn't he have a crazy cat? He's got one of these. What does he have? Oh, yeah. What, what, kind, what kind is that? That looks like that bingo cat. Yeah, it does look more like that than the serval cat. It says serval, though, doesn't it? I typed that in. I don't, I was... Oh. What kind of fucking cat is that, I man? I don't know. Does it have a jacket on? Yeah, it's kind of like a fucking leash. That's a big ass That's cat. A big cat yeah. Bro, I would not. Donald, careful, Donald. <laughs> mother's mother's ninety. That's not what she wants, and she yeah. she get get so stubborn. It I, could be. Awesome. I want a cat. It could be awesome. It could be the greatest cat of all time, or it right. could be it decides to fuck you up and we could eat her. Yeah, you know she couldn't defend herself if it went nuts on her. That's Look at what our story was earlier today in the episode. Yeah, people getting eaten by. Tigers. Mm hmm. First responders know. when they find bodies uh, after people have uh, died in a house with cats. It doesn't take long for the cats to <laughs> get hurt. Right. 
They don't oh. give you a whole lot of time before they start oh, eating. Oh, mama. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs will wait. <laughs> they will. Yeah, dogs Pretty will wait so. until they're starving to death. They're dying. They don't even associate you with uh, you anymore. You just meat, and they have to stay alive. Right. Cats are like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm going to eat Ron's lips. <laughs> right. Get an eyeball, <laughs> nostril. It's a fascinating relationship that we have to these small animals. Like I was saying about your beautiful dog, that you, you, if you trace the lineage back of that thing, that used to be a wolf. Somehow or another, they went from wolves to like more of a floppy-eared animal to more of an animal that was like smaller, that hung, and then they figured out how to breed All the way them. to a rug that shits. That's what I own. That's a, a rug that shits. Like how the fuck did they do that? So if you die in a home that's locked with animals, those animals will eat you really fast, especially a cat. Dogs will hold out until they have nothing left to eat, but a cat will remove your head in 24 hours. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh what my kind God. of loyalty? From, they uh, got over all that love quick. That cat never loved you. Oh, my God. If it can eat your head in 24 hours, that cat never loved oh you. It was just God. a, I need food. I'm going to be nice. Theo oh. had a coroner on his Waiting podcast. for you to fucking die. I think I explained it to him. Oh, the coroner was telling him? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think he asked him, like, what kind of fucked up shit have you seen? <laughs> He's like, animals. Well, you play that. Okay. Play that right where you're saying that. It'll remove your head within 24 hours. It was right before that. head and... But back it up before that. Chest. Back it up before that. Uh, well, well, so if you die in a home that's locked with animals, those animals will eat you Nuh-uh. really fast, especially oh. a cat. Dogs will hold out until they have nothing left to eat, but a cat will remove your head in 24 hours. And no. I'm not talking, I'm talking literally hair on the floor, no head, and nibbling into their chest. Um, it, Even cats that were loved by their owners, or is it just cats no, that it, you think were had something with the owner, and they're, <laughs> and they're going to say, this is my time? Yeah, no, they're, they're absolutely feeding on you. Uh, you know, I don't care how much you love that cat, and that cat loved you, he's going to eat you. And I just never never imagined that they could do that much damage. You know, smaller dogs. Now, a lab, a lab won't. A labs, for some reason, don't eat their owners, wow. you know, unless they're locked in for months. I guess they would. But I find it more weenie dogs, small dogs, and mm. cats. Cats, cats don't, they don't wait. And how, how soon <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I believe the guy now. Oh, why? Because well, I bet he has a lab, so he had to say labs wouldn't eat you. I mean, what makes a lab different than my sweet little Maddie? He's saying Maddie would go after you after a little while, but but the mm. lab, come on. Yeah, why would they think that the little, maybe he means like chihuahuas or something like that. Like, or the little Jack Russell Terriers, they'll fuck you up quick. But like, what is, uh, what's the the data on that? The labs really I eat you when you die? I think he's just off of his experience. I don't know. I was trying to. I don't know, know where he gets his expertise. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing this on uh, NPR. It's Labs, not coming on that, on my newsfeed. That's well, I was also kind of making that point when I googled that and typed it in. It gives me like a TikTok fun fact. Like that's the fact that Google gave me, which was a fact from Theo's podcast. Oh that's yeah, like the top result. And when they're calling it a fact, <laughs> I. I mean, well, I do know for a fact that cats eat people. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, that makes sense. I mean, that's happening. People a bunch eat times. people. Are, I know people know. who have found people that where they got you know where they're cops where they found people that were partially eaten by the cats. That's 100% real. That was a fun show. We did that show for the cops. That man. was awesome. That was so much fun. That was awesome. Three cops yeah. got thrown out. <laughs> like, uh, that's right. They came to party, folks. They came they to did, have a good they time. They did come to party. They that was did. a lot of fun. That was a good fucking time. Right. They, those guy? people don't get appreciated enough. And, no, and that's and, the truth. 
they don't get appreciated enough. And if things go south, they're going to be the first people you call, and you, you've been disrespecting them for so long, and not appreciating how hard it is what they uh. do for so fucking long. And that doesn't that doesn't excuse the bad ones. That's not. No, it doesn't. It's just you can't lump everybody in with that same group because no, most gotta, of them are great. You gotta have these guys. You, you have gotta to have, have them. this team, man. You have and, to have uh, them. And it ain't the greatest job in the goddamn world, and it sure is dangerous. And some of them thrive on that kind of environment, and that's great. I don't, and uh, so I need you know. And uh, it was not, it was just it was so cool to be able to make them laugh that hard because you know we had the death of that cop not too long ago you know that, yeah. that that's been a pretty dour place to work uh that's what the guy was telling me the uh chief of police was this you know they hadn't been laughing you know they haven't been that really got everybody down and kept them down and of course them. so that was cool that was so much fun yeah it was fun it was real fun to do yeah it's it's you know we should have started a church that night. We could have started. We'd have a police We've got to plant these seeds carefully. That's right. And this is what we're doing today on the podcast. Yeah, right. We're planting seeds. You can't just go out there and just dig a trench. Then the government starts getting involved quickly. you got to, like, slowly plant seeds. Based on a, a story of love. Yeah. And uh, mutual respect. It, it would be great if we could buy into a franchise like Chick-fil-A. You know, or something. You know what I mean? Closed <laughs> on Sunday. Out burgers. Just, to... just buy into something. It's pre-existing, you know. Do no, no, our challenge way. is going to be start it from yeah. scratch. Yeah, just uh, the Church of Ron White, just from scratch. It's going to it's going to be under a lot of scrutiny. No, dude, it's a Joe, <laughs> Joe Rogan Ron White Church. I ain't doing this by myself, man. But it's kind of funny. It really is kind of funny that if we did just both of us become Christian and then open up a Christian what? church, no problems at all. You know, I got like three million followers. I wonder how far they would actually follow if I started leading. You don't even want three million. If you get 300,000 to move into a, a town that you've created in the middle of the desert. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that Portland movie, the the, the uh, Netflix series, Wild Wild Country. They they literally bought into a town. And it wasn't that bad. You know, in that's what it, like I think it was you time. that said that. They always sound pretty good. You know, you're like, I can do this. And then, it, it, yeah. you know, then it gets sorted. You know, I get, nobody can handle that kind of power yeah, that's and that kind of focus of energy. And we, yeah, you're the guy, you're the guy without, it, it, it corrupts. Well, it it's just, just corrupts. They're, they're bes literally bestowing the word of God. And the the meaning of life and the meaning of the universe in front of their loyal following. Right. This guy's got thirty one Rolls yeah. Royces, by the way. Yeah. And uh, and, and uh, they're just happy when he gets another one. He was you funny know? though. He was the funny. Oh yeah. Funny dude. He was. He was. You know. I, I would have listened for a while. You know. You ever hear that thing? That famous thing that he said about uh, democracy. You remember? It's by people, but to people. Are retarded, so it is. So you get this fucking guru. You get this guru tell, yeah. saying that everyone's retarded. Right. You got to see this. This was the dude. This was the fucking dude. Because democracy basically means government by the people. Of the people. And he works slower than I do. 
does. He does, but it's good. I'm listening. People are retarded. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. No, he goes on even further. This is a small version of it. He continues on. The government of the retarded, for the retarded. Yeah, he goes into this whole thing. And this is the guru that was running that town up there. That right. was the guy. And he was the guy with 31 Rolls Royces, right? Yeah, he, he was balling out of control. Yeah, go, He was balling out of control. Going nuts. He probably would have pulled it off if it wasn't for Sheila. Yeah. She, Sheila was so ruthless. Right. She was terrifying. She was the one that got the guns out, She's right? She was the one who poisoned the, the whole town. <laughs> oh, I didn't know the town. Oh, the, the city. Yeah. Not them. Yeah. She no, did. they poisoned. They poisoned like a salad bar or something, didn't they? Uh, didn't she do something she, like that? Was, yeah, they blew something up. They did a bunch of shit. They brought yeah. in homeless people for votes. I mean, they they went wild. They went wild in the end. They brought in homeless people in buses so that the homeless people would become part of their community and they'd have more votes. And then they took over the fucking town. And then they're like, "Adios, homeless fucks!" Uh, yeah, get and out they of kicked here. the homeless people out. Government by the retarded. <laughs> Of the retarded. Of the retarded. I mean, that dude believes what he's saying. Democracy cannot be. <laughs> I believe what he's saying. <laughs> the highest. Possibility men can attain. He just blinked mm. for the first time. I was asked if he hasn't blinked. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the real deal. He's probably the real deal. But right. he had Sheila behind him, and she and, just got crazy and started killing and folks. Too many Rolls Royces <laughs> to keep it out of the news. You know, you got a get a couple of them, man. They, you, got, but, you know, thirty-one. But if you're the real deal, Girl. if you really are a super guru and you want 30 Rolls Royces, I think you can do it in that space. Yeah, in, in that the Christian space, space I don't think well, so. I, they're doing it. They got, you I know, know. Gulfstream 650s, you know, you, you can buy 30 Rolls Royces. I'm just saying it's very, it's harder to connect with the message. Cheaper, right. There's something about that dude, the but way he's may... willing to talk. Like that guy Osho, his <sighs> book is really brilliant. He, uh, there's a, an audio version of one of his books that I got into. It's interesting, man. His, his thoughts are very interesting. 93 cars. He had 93 cars. It's only 93, Ron. 93. He only had 93 cars. So he had a nice fleet of He cars. loved his Rolls Royces. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But right, you know, if he's the guy, you want him to have everything. The you know, thing, if you believe he's the guy and. You could be, this is what I believe. I think you can be both. I think you can be this crazy 93 Rolls Royce having fucking lunatic who lives in a castle that's made out of diamonds in the sky. Okay. You got money from your followers and also to be tuned into the real thing. To read the real oh, energy of the universe. I don't think you can. I think you can. I think you can I think dance. that power corrupts absolutely. For most people. It, 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 for most well, people. But if you're a real it, super guru, like a hedonist super guru. Right. Because one of the things about a lot of those like like crazy super guru type characters, like there's always some sexual aspect to it. It's always some sexual freedom and sexual expressing. And, and they fucking hook, line, and sink or believe in right, that Right, like shit. that guy that yeah. owned that building that you almost bought for no exactly. reason. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the Ron White recommendation. Ron White recommended that I buy a cult building, and I listened to him. Yeah, see? <laughs> see? It would have worked. 
It would have worked. It, it would have worked. It, that was a cool building. Yeah. And it would have worked. You would have made it work. That's for sure. And we'd all supported it, and it would have been fine. It wouldn't have been as good, though. Location-wise, no, wouldn't have been as good. This this is, this is turns out to be heaven. Yeah, so we can't second-guess anything that went down before it or after it or whatever. I feel like it lined up in the exact correct order. Like, the universe opened up all the doors in the exact correct order. In, like... I feel like the failed experiment with that other place or the, you know, the, the frustration and having it not come together was a good, uh, like a lesson, a good lesson in like how like real estate deals can go and how, you know, all the issues with property. Right. How careful you need to be. There's a lot of stuff going on when you're buying stuff. Yeah. And sometimes you got to experience a failed deal and go, okay, that didn't work. Maybe this, maybe this is better. And you were kind of impetuous, so you needed something to slow you down a little <laughs> bit because you were going, you were going pretty nuts with yeah. make, with decision. I mean, I talked to you one day. You were thinking about moving to Austin, and the next day you lived there. You had a house on the lake. You moved your studio. And I'm like, God <laughs> damn, this guy moves. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested in half-assing things. No, 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 no. If no, I have you to moved do it, right along with it. What's, that's what's the fun part about it. Is like a, a change like that is a big deal. Well, if you if really, if you look at it, and I'm pretty emotional about the mothership, but if you look at it, it was, it was the only thing that could have got me where I am today. Nothing, no other vehicle would have worked because I wouldn't have been interested in it. I would have been interested in me being alone and, and isolating myself and all those things. But the mothership... Uh, was that thing that was so delicious and so perfect for what I needed at that point in my life. I think that the universe used you just to get me uh, back out of this fucking hole that I was in. You know, I, you know where I was at. You know, yeah. I was in a shitty fucking place, and I needed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't. I didn't know what to do with my emotions. I didn't know what to do with my. You know, doubting everything about my talent and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, so it, nothing else would have got me where I am today. No other combination of things. Uh, there wouldn't have been an open mic night in Webster, wherever, that I would have gone to and with any interest at all and really started to fall back in love with the art of doing stand-up and be able to do all those reps you know yeah. that doesn't exist anywhere else. You know that that's what happens at the mothership. That uh, you can go in there and sharpen the fucking blade. You ought to see what I'm doing to these crowds on the road. I'm beating the <laughs> fuck out of them. I'm having a blast. Except I still hate to travel, but you know we're real lucky. We're real lucky. And like I said, I feel like the universe opened up all the right doors at all the yeah. right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and put it all together in this perfect way. And we all benefit from having all of us here together, for sure. It's 100% benefits your act. 100% benefits your joke writing I, and the amount of fun that you have in life. And how hard we laugh in that green oh, room. And uh, you That's know. what I'm saying. The amount of fun you have in life. It's the most fun. And the, and, the, and the best thing about the green room is how restrictive it is, you know, that you just can't go in there. You know, you're just not, you got to earn that spot in the treehouse, you know. And so anytime you open the door, you'll see, you know, some of the best comics alive uh, sitting there talking about stand-up comedy and, yeah. you know, writing jokes and laughing and having a good time. But, you know, that's our fucking, 
little space, man, and it is the greatest thing on earth. The one of the worst things that happens in green rooms, what Ron's talking about, is like you'll be in a green room and a bunch of agents will walk in and start yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in LA, it used to happen all the time. They all wanted to go in the green room. Yeah. So they'd go in the green room, and I I've done shows before, like at these big theaters, and there's people I don't even know who they are. They're all hanging around the green room. I'm like, what? okay, I don't even who are, who are you guys. Like, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but in the past. Oh, when I've played big venues out near California, yeah. the guys I didn't even know from APA and yeah. you know CAA or whoever the fuck I was with, yeah. and then people from my office that I didn't even know, they're all back there in the green room, you know, trying to get a little, by trying to prove to me that they're earning some kind of fucking money I'm sending them yeah. or whatever. But that doesn't happen at the at the comedy mothership. Uh, it's just us uh, talking about it. Really, nobody knows much more about the business of this than we do. You know, the yeah, nice little collective group that it, gets to, We feed off each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we 100% feed off each other. And this wasn't designed to be a commercial for the mothership, but it sounds like one. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're both super lucky. All of us are. Not not just us in this room, and, but and every, all of us together that we're all in on this together because that's what it is. It's like we, we got a spot where we can all fuck around. And we have a lot of other spots in Austin now because of that, and and along with that, right? You they, know, there's they, a lot and of basically, spots. The, that makes the mothership a very proper name uh, yeah. for that place, for that club, yeah. Because everything else kind of feeds off of it, you know. Of, of, that you was know, the that was the idea. Well, there was a bunch of other names that I had for, it, but that was the idea. What, what what I liked about that one is that we all do travel and we're all stuck you know in this thing if you're if you're a stand up and you you know you want to go on the road you got to go places but so, to have a place to go back to yeah. where you can keep your skills without traveling that's what doesn't exist anywhere else well that's what you made know? me realize what we were missing when we came here when we first came here we were at the Vulcan it was great but it was it was a great place and love nick and everybody that worked there but it wasn't set up perfect right right it was hard to get around you had to go downstairs to get on stage it was like there's a lot of annoying shit about it that was like kind of goofy the way it was set up and it's a great room to perform in like the acoustics are fun it's, but it rattles I, you know but i was like we but it's, we need the setup to be correct and if we get the setup cor like completely correct just do it absolutely the way a comic would want it to be done just do everything the way the comic make, make it everything so it's the, like the fucking easiest ride ever for the comics. They come in, we go to right. the back, hey, up to the stairs. That's right. Yeah, it's just easy, fun. Everybody's gonna have a good time. Let's go have fun. Let's have fun, and that's what we needed because we were on the road all the time. And when you're on the road all the time, it's like you're in these places. You're only gonna be there for a couple of nights. You're doing your stand up with a couple friends you came with, and then you go back home, and then you wait till you go somewhere else again. You don't have a home base. Yeah. To touch in like Ron White. I was Cincinnati. You right. Know? Like, you no, know, those, no, no, no. Those man. those Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the shit, man. They are. They're the shit. They are. And it, it, you know, and it was kind of like it was at, at the store for a while. Yeah. You know, when we were all supporting it at the same time, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the, the yeah. crowds were. The, you know, it was always packed because they knew they were going to get a show they couldn't get any other time for mm -hmm. any price. That, that show doesn't exist anywhere else. And uh, the other night we did a show, and it was me and you and Shane Gillis and uh, uh, Jim Norton. Who's, yeah. I, that guy makes me laugh harder than anybody. Uh, he's and, hilarious. And uh, Theo Vaughn came in. It was yeah. all in one night yeah. at, at, the, at the Comedy Mothership. Crowd doesn't know. We don't even know. You know, you don't even know who's all going to show up on the 
night and uh but there's always room you know if you're you know if you're one of the big kamaya mayas you know just always we'll someone room, coming by there's we'll always make room for you and it's just fun it's just a real fun environment it's just a real fun place to fuck around you know and now that we have that it makes it easier for us. It makes it easy to you for you to do this tour you're doing. It makes it for all of us. It's just a place to keep your chops. Yeah, you know, and, and it's all. And I don't care if you're doing short sets or long sets. You need to be doing sets because yeah. it keeps that familiarity with you and that audience, and it keeps it keeps that all secondary. Yeah, it's something that you don't even think about. It's what you do it every goddamn day, and that's what you should do. And then it doesn't matter if you're on the stage for for 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. It's just that you got to get on. stage stage and talk to those people and just so it's second nature to yeah. you and because if you don't do it for a while it's not you think about it you right. know we don't think about sets before we walk on stage at the mothership you know it's just what we do all the time so but you remember what it was like when we took all those months off for covid then you did stand up fuck again. i was horrible i couldn't believe how bad i was and i didn't even know that was the big question is for me was i didn't know what i was so good at that made it special to watch you know i didn't uh, because i was just doing an impression of myself and that i didn't have that confidence and all those things that i that come from knowing what's going to happen when i you saw walk your on first stage. set back was, at the vulcan you fucking killed fuck it was awful you fucking killed you're out of your mind you're out of your mind you got big laughs i think it just didn't feel comfortable for you i think you didn't feel like you were killing because it didn't feel comfortable because you just haven't done it in so long I think that's all it is. But the, for the audience member, uh, if you, you look kill. at that set versus my yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, fifteen minute set that I'm doing now, it's it, it, well, you were talking about it the other yeah. night that that timing and uh, that all that stuff is back to sharp. You yeah. know how I got here, stuff. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's all growth that comes from fucking doing reps. You know, it's definitely a, it's it's a gym, that's for sure. And if you work out. You see the results, and if you don't, you don't. You know? I think it's just like golf. It's just like everything. Yeah, it's well, like it's, everything. Some, it's something I in. understand and yeah. I love, you know, and so I, you know. And so if I you only play golf it. with idiots. Right. You know, like you <laughs> yeah, never right. fucking really learned to play golf. Just, yeah, and then you'd be going, I'm so great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, it's better yeah. for you to hang out with guys that can hit the ball further than you. Yes. You know, that's fine. That's fine. Because you can still beat those guys, you know. If you're lucky. If you're smart. Yeah, well, that be there's always in groups of guys. There's always the one guy who's the dominant golf player, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that used to be me all the time. But now when I play, now I've got these friends that you know that are fucking. Pros is that a reps thing? Is that just a reps thing, or is there a certain characteristic that some people have that makes them like really good at golf? I think that some people are are born with a with a innate ability for athletics, you know, and some people aren't, and you can. You can try to get to that place all as hard as you want to, like John Daly. You know, yeah. he's a gifted athlete. You know, and he would, no matter what he had done, he would have been great at it. Yeah. Uh, but he chose to do it with golf, and and uh, his situation at home was real fucked up, abusive father, horrible shit, just horrible shit. And I know a lot about him. I've spent a lot of nights drinking with him, and uh, but he had these hands, man. And this uh, this ability to turn his back to his target and just keep going, and it generated literally no one had ever seen anybody do what John Daly did when he first started hitting. When he first came on the scene, they, the other pros were going out to the driving range going, "Watch this," and he's hitting the ball seventy five yards past everybody and hitting the middle of the fairway with it. And they're like, and 
but he was so self-destructive that he he, he couldn't he, he could manage it to some point you know I don't know and John doesn't know either I'm sure but you know he won two majors which you know most people that play professional golf or never win one and or never win a tournament that most people that have a card to play on the PGA Tour never win on the PGA Tour so he didn't do earth-shattering stuff like Tiger did as far as the numbers go but you know he he just had that natural ability and, and and his son is just like him which is kind of a weird thing because that father-son thing doesn't mesh up and then who knows if it ultimately will but his son's got a pocket full of money bets with everybody there he's about 16 no he's in college now so he's quite a player and he's got his dad's backswing and you know it's uh damn so it's genetic well some of it's of some it. of it's got to be you know yeah and, and then you Man, I would imagine. Yeah, there he is, right there. I would uh, imagine. That's who I play well, he, golf they, with. They're those. fucking belts. Yeah. <laughs> that, he, they won the father-son nice. son tournament. They beat Tiger and his kid. Bro, how great yeah. are John Daly's pants? Yeah, yeah, Look at those yeah. pants. Those are so classic. Yep, and you can- uh, Little skulls all over them. Yeah. <laughs> those green alligator shoes. He's awesome. He's one of a kind, that's for one sure. One of a kind. One of one a of kind. One of a kind. How many bad coats do you say he drinks a day? He, well, he drinks- Oh, boy, he just drinks so much. Uh, but he drinks Diet Cokes and chocolate milk, and he doesn't really eat. And then he drinks <laughs> vodka by the galobolins. The you know, Diet Coke gotta, and uh, chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. If you go, because uh, we, we, I've stayed in the same house with him before, and he's also, oddly enough, he's a neat freak. He gets up in the morning, and he'll make breakfast for everybody that's in the, you know, the golf fucking complex there, like four four rooms or whatever he's up in the morning vacuuming shining stuff it up not even his job to do it and but he's a neat freak and he loves to cook for people and he, and at night he'll sing songs and play guitar until you're so bored with it you can't stand yourself and uh you know but it's a hoot it's a show but in the refrigerator gallons of milk and a chocolate a hershey's chocolate squirt bottle he makes it up himself you know <laughs> And, uh, so and he then, makes his own chocolate and then, he stirs and it. And then Diet Cokes oh and, and then God. cigarettes, you know, one after that, another. Pull that back up, Jamie, with that, oh, the, the statistics that you were showing. The statistics he was just showing about how many cigarettes and Diet Cokes he drank in one game. This, this is a daily diet. I don't know. Yeah, but that point. one yeah. image that you had on the other page, there was uh, – you had – there it is. John Daly smoked 21 cigarettes and drank 12 cans of Coke and no water at a PGA Tour event. John Daly once smoked 21 cigarettes and drank 12 cans of Coke at a tour event with no water. The controversial golfer is known among fans for a somewhat different style to to today's fitness obsessed stars. So if he drank 12 Coca-Colas though, yeah. you do have to think like that is a lot of energy and a lot of sugar. Yeah, and th and this guy doesn't practice ever at golf. He doesn't really. He'll, no, he'll go out there and he'll hit sand wedges, uh, and he'll hit maybe four of them, and uh, and go straight to the tee box. Whether he's playing a professional tour event or playing with a guy, he's, and he tells me just hit some sand wedge. You got to hit that side. If you can hit that solid, you can hit them all solid. Just do that. There's no sense working your way through a bag and spending all goddamn day. You know, just because that you're trying to get loose, not better. We're playing, right? You don't mm -hmm. have time to get better. You just got time to get loose, get loose with one club. So, but uh, it, it, he, uh, 
but that's just how much ability he's got. Most of these guys, you know, they, they take this shit serious every goddamn day of their life. Hours and hours and hours a day go into nothing but preparing. He spends no time at all. And uh, and he, he and he doesn't win very much, but you know he makes a lot of noise and he, he lives life the way he wants to, and he's so unapologetic and you and know, he's kind of a hero because of it. He is, yeah, yeah. He's he's totally a hero, and he should be. He just, he is a living of- legend of of athletic fucking superiority. <laughs> and there he is, Hooters. That, there's his endorsement right there. He loves Hooters. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, for years and years, I'd go to the Masters and I'd park my bus right next to his bus at the Hooters, and uh, and hilarious, uh, uh, and, and go down and watch the game. And and he would make a fortune because the, people go to that tournament to see golf, right? And uh, but those golf those guys aren't available. You know, they don't come. They don't stick around, sign autographs, and do shit like that. John does, so he's got a merch tent set up at the Hooters, and he'll do four hundred thousand dollars worth of business in a week, Jeez. just sitting there signing stuff, flags, whatever, taking pictures. He hustles that parking lot and uh, does it every year. He's always out there. He'll, you know, he's nice anyway, and uh, he likes fans, and he'll talk to you about anything, anybody. Wow. And, uh, you know, if he's in a good mood, if he's in a shitty mood, maybe not, but he still gets it, you know, and, uh, cause he didn't, he gambles a lot. So he never has, I don't think he ever had a big surplus of money. He had some big deals from Callaway and, but I think he, you know, he's playing slot machines, a thousand bucks a pull all the time. And, uh, so he's always had to hustle on the side, you know, so, but he, but he gets it done, you know, now he's got a vodka drink, kind of like the arm Palmer, except it's got booze in it. It's called the John Daly selling shit out of it. So. Yeah. What is the John Daly? What's the mixture? Arnold Palmer is uh, lemonade and iced tea, right? I think then you had some vodka. I yeah. would imagine. Is that what it is? John Daly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vodka. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. Him and, uh, it, you know, I, you know, I quit drinking, you know, that about three years ago and, and, uh, but and Kid Rock hangs out there all the time, and they're really good buddies. And he plays golf. It's just not a great golf course either. It's just this one we all go to, and uh, you know it's got good greens, and we have fun time out there. And they'll be banging on the door of my bus. We're going to the teddy bar. Come go to the black dude. What, uh, what part of, uh, <laughs> of I don't drink anymore? Do you not understand? I'm no. I'm not going to the teddy bar with you and Kid Rock and watch uh, you guys <laughs> jack with strippers till dawn and. Hilarious. So now they don't talk to me much. And uh, those fucking guys, when they sober up, the party's all gone. Right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I read something the other day said if you uh, quit drinking, that doesn't automatically make you no fun. That's a separate decision you have to make. That's (laughs) very well put. Yeah. Right. Very well put. I know a lot of comics that stopped drinking. Like Dave Attell, I think, is the best example of a guy who stopped drinking and just got way better. Like, he was always hilarious. He was always yeah. an amazing comic. He's always been fun. But I think it was just taking a toll on his body. Yeah, and then was... when he quit, it's like all of a sudden he had energy again. He's writing a shit ton of great material. I think he's at, like, his highest level ever now. And he hasn't drank in a long time. Yeah, he just long, keeps getting yeah, better. Years and years. And, uh, but, you know, he was out of control, though. I mean, he was... For a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had that show. Insomniac. Yeah. Right? And that was true. I mean, yeah. that's what he would do every night. I worked with him. I, I ended up doing a bunch of... I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival, and he and I, we didn't know each other, and we were doing a bunch of shows at the 
at the Dirty Show or whatever it was. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. There were like 12 shows in a week. And so we met. And that's back when he drank and I drank. And, and uh, so we were fast friends. And I thought he was funny as fuck. I didn't, you know, I had never seen any of it. And I just fucking loved to tell. And he's so much fun to hang he's out with. He's one of the and, best of all time. But he would come through town. And, and boy, after the show, he's gone. You know, he goes into yeah. a dark nether world of, <laughs> you know, whatever's going on down there. He finds it. And, uh, yeah. you know, so... But he didn't do anything. I mean, he quit. He quit everything. He got sober when when, yeah. when people go. I heard you quit getting fucked up. I'm like, yeah, you heard it wrong. You know, <laughs> you heard it. You just quit drinking. There's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Is the way I the way I look at it. I think the way you're skinning it right now is the best way. Fuck yeah, I think so. It's the best way. It That's, makes for the most fun. I, I don't. You know, I I I feel really good about all the decisions I made that got me to where I am right this minute. You know, yeah. as far as liquor goes, I didn't. You know, it, it makes for the most fun. The situation we're in right now is, makes for the most fun. If they would just hurry up and decriminalize mushrooms and things along those lines. Like yeah, because yeah. then we'd start doing mushrooms. Yeah, but as long as they're against the law, we don't do them. Exactly. We're against it. That's what I'm saying. We put a, we put a stop to it. We're, in fact, we're part of the mechanism. Imagine if it's the only sh- thing that can really get us out of this, but we're all so dismissive of it. Sounds Looney Tunes, right? But if you could give mushrooms to every living human being on this planet all in one day, we could sort a lot of shit out. That's what uh, Hicks uh, said. It was our accelerator pad to our evolution, you know. Well, he was a big Terrence McKenna fan, and he quoted Terrence McKenna in his act. And Terrence McKenna was the guy who came up with that theory that the reason why human beings evolved is from mushrooms. Oh, okay. It's called the stoned ape theory. It's a crazy theory. What is this? Feral scientists recommending easing restrictions on marijuana. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. They want to make it uh, Schedule 3 so it has some medicinal uses. Shrooms or weed? Well, That's weed just first. weed. Yeah, That's weed first. weed first. Oh. It'll, yeah. They're never going to give it to you all at once. It's just too revolutionary. Well, Texas, you know, we, we still don't even have mercy weed. You, know? you can't you get can't, weed if you have cancer, if you're dying of cancer? I don't think so. Not in Texas. There's no medical weed in Texas they at all. Have a very, it's it, like point three percent you could get if you have like if you're dying next week or something. Right, which yeah. is kind of weird because you know not that I you know, <laughs> I mean you can buy the edibles that you can buy or yeah. THC edibles and and they they but they got it that that law passed because they didn't understand the law. Because they were going by weight of something and but they didn't realize that they're saying okay these gummies are fourteen percent. Yeah. You know, so they're trying to fight it now, but right now it's legal to buy that. But and then something that's just like pot, like one milligram or whatever off. You know, they sell that Delta and, Nine. Uh, Delta yeah. Nine. Yeah. I don't smoke it because, you know, it's classified as marijuana, and I would never do anything that I thought Good for you was illegal. Yeah. Well, I witnessed Brian Simpson take a few of those gummies. Yeah, and, uh, right. And they were supposed to be very mild, and he was very upset at how fucked up he was. <laughs> he was very upset. He was it, like, "This is outrageous." He was, he was, he was shocked. Does that he could, does couldn't believe salt, it was going. salts wake anybody up out of that? I've never tried. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a solid question, Jamie. What, what was the question? Them. He said, "It's smelling salts wake someone up out of like a weed of stupor." stupor. <laughs> yeah, it will because I've used those ones that are on the table in the Did green you? room to. Yeah, if you ever get too stoned to do a set, and then you just pick up one of those salts and just jerk you right out you of it for probably, a minute. Probably you've only t- taken the ones that we have at the the mothership. Then the yeah, right. The, the what? You've never had the smelling salts here. 
No. Oh, this is significantly stronger. Here at the... Right, the stuff that we have here in the studio versus no. the stuff that we have in the green room. The stuff we have in the green room is kind of old. So when you open it, you really got to get your nose in there. Oh, that feels... Really dig in. It, it... This motherfucker will knock your dick into the dirt. D this is... What makes you think I want my... No, I wouldn't say you do. Dick but, I mean, knocked into the it's, dirt. It's worth experiencing because right. it's so potent. Well, it's shocking. Wait a minute. Let me get ready. Should we go get a fresh oh, one well, or... Yeah, you got any freshies? There's still four, I think, fresh ones. Here. Well, let me see how bad. What's do we have these in any Those chronological are, I order? Don't, I, <laughs> I don't All right, so. let me grab one. I'll yeah, see what we got. I'd say probably that one, maybe. I'm sure that's definitely gonna do the job. All right, we'll see what's up. He's got frogs in here. Let's see what's up. Here we go. You'll know which one's stronger right away. Oh, that's probably pretty good then. That works. Wow. wow. This one's very legit. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. You need to. You <laughs> no, need to I, I don't want it. Whatever it caused you to you look do. like you just look like you're feel about to. Uh, I feel great now. Give me, let me. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Let me right now, I feel great. Thing. Whew. Um, I don't know if that would. Yeah, I think it would help. Oh. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, I, I don't, you don't have any of this at the club. I'm talking about. Oh. That's, oh. that's what I'm talking about i don't like when people talk shit about how easy smelling salts are oh my god you've never had real smelling salts i've you? never been this awake in my life that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm talking about oh man i'm gonna do one up on the other side shout out to that dude uh juju mufu right am i yep. saying it right yep. shout out to him for creating the, the greatest smelling salts in the history of the world did you go in for a second? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you fucking animal! You only got it in one side. He's an yeah, animal. I got it. Well, he only He's went up one side. If I had to get I that thought he was going to leave the oh, show. Man, I were. I, <laughs> was, <laughs> I was worried you were going to get mad and leave the show. That was like meth. That's very <laughs> that's potent. What, that's what it feels like going down. Well, this guy who created this is like this crazy power lifter dude. But there's no after effect of it, is there? No, I don't think you should do it too often. I just did it once every 10 seconds. It's was, not making uh, me any smarter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I don't have any <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go but fucking up. All of us have nowhere to go but up. That's what AI is all about. But I think uh it's probably not good to do. That's that guy. He created it. Look at the body on that son of a bitch. Look at the crazy shit he can do. Oh, that looks Full good. splits in between chairs while holding up. It looks like Josh Blue. Yeah. No, not in that picture. I mean, the oh. dude's a crazy athlete. Like that is that is absolutely ridiculous strength to be able to do that. I and mean, that's like, preposterous. So, so they a lot of those powerlifter dudes, they uh, take a big blast of this so, shit before they look, lift. Okay, I, I, let's say I want to look like that, mm -hmm. but I'm 67, right? Yeah. How many hours a day would I have to dedicate of my life? No bullshit. I mean, of course, I could never get to that. No, you couldn't but, get to that. Of course. But no bullshit. You could change your entire body with weightlifting and steroids in a year. We would get you to a Russian scientist, and they'd hook you up with the latest, fucking greatest, top shelf. Like, if we got a project. Like, did you ever see that documentary, Icarus? It's a great- I Icarus. Icarus. Yeah, Icarus. I think so. Yeah, it's- uh. Brian Fogel's, it's his, right? Brian Fogel's, why did I freeze there for a minute? Uh, Brian, who also did uh, The Dissident, which is another amazing documentary. But Brian um, did this race. He did it completely clean. And then he was going to get this Russian doping guy 
to tell him what to take, and then he was going to do the same race the next year, juiced up. And he was doing it for a documentary to show okay. what the difference is. Right. He's, he's not competitive like he could win. Right. He's a very good cyclist, though. So in the middle of this process of going through this thing with this Russian guy, right. it comes out that the Russians cheated in the Sochi Olympics. And so when they cheated in the Olympics, they used piss that was like fake piss. They like smuggled piss through a hole in the wall. And this guy was a part of the whole program. And he's in this documentary. And these while were, this is all happening. These were cyclists? It, no. He's a cyclist. He gets doped up for this documentary. Right? Oh, okay. This is what he's doing. Okay. And so in getting doped up with steroids and EPO, he's talking to this guy who's the head right. of this Russian anti-doping agency. Who's really just, they're just Russian doping so they just everyone's doped right and this guy tells him everything he spills the beans on the whole program and now the guy's in like the fucking witness protection plan oh, they've good. got him like shuttle all around the country <laughs> to keep him alive they want russia wants him dead this fucking guy spilled uh, the, they they juiced the whole olympic team and I this guy brian got very lucky and caught it in the middle of oh. it happening so it's just <laughs> dumb luck that the Russians get busted for, for doping while he's doing a documentary on doping with the guy who did the fucking doping. And he didn't have anything to do with the them getting exposed. No, not at all. It was they, What happened was they used these jars that were supposed to be impregnable, right? So there's these jars, you would urinate into the jar, and then once they had your sample, it would be sealed in a way that no one could open. Well, they found these micro scratches that are all over the inside of these supposedly sealed jars that led them to believe that someone had figured out a way to hack into that and open these things. And they realized that the Russians had figured out a way with a new piece of equipment they engineered. They got their own bottles, and they, got a, 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 they engineered a tool that would allow them to open it up, and then they would put it back on. So they would go, and they would take the piss out, and they would bring it in with a new bottle, and the new bottle was filled with clean piss. And so there's literally, they had a hole in the wall, literally had a hole in the wall where they were swapping out the clean piss for the dirty piss. Look at this, the official urine sample room, hole and storage, storage space. space. And in the storage space is where they had all the clean urine. And they got busted while this guy was doing it. So if we got that guy, that Russian right. dude, to turn you into a fucking stud, yeah, just we need about sixteen months. We need about sixteen. But do months. we really need a Ron White that's all amped we up don't need on that. that? We don't need that. No, yeah. we don't need that. But if you ever want to go that way, no, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that. But just like you know, you don't need to play golf. Yeah. Well, I'm you the know? one that asked the question. Right? No, no, no. The, it's it, it's a I fair wanted... question. It's like how long would it take? I mean, you're not obese. You're fit because you walk around a lot. You're doing a lot of golf. You're, you're playing a sport all the time, so you're active. I stretch for yeah. that for that game. I I, so I'm pretty to. I'm pretty limber for a you know that, 67 year old. That game looks like it would really benefit from like rotational work. Yeah. Do you do oh, like I, uh, you ever do with a trainer, or do you do like cables? No, I. You know what? I do, everything I do in my golf swing right now, I do to avoid uh, two tears I've got in my shoulders. And but for the most part, it doesn't hurt to to make that as long because everything stays connected. It's it's when I do like this that uh, that that they really hurt. Have you ever done stem cells? Yeah, I, well, with the same guys that with the ways to well folks, yeah. and and it's better than it was because I, before I couldn't do that at all, and now I can, and that and it doesn't it doesn't really hurt that bad. But before, if I got it to there and just pushed it back a little bit, it not only hurt, it hurt when I quit doing it. If, and still, it uh, you know it's not it's not exactly right. But it's I'm not gonna, exactly right. Yeah. I 
I have a plan that can help you tremendously that I use for my shoulders. I have no affiliation with this company. It's called Crossover Symmetry. I bought it. I bought it online. I think I bought it on Amazon. I had, I had one at home and one at the gym. It's a bunch of different cords. They attach to posts, and they have these cables, and some of them are like 10 pounds, some of them are 15 pounds, some okay. are 25 pounds. And they give you a plaque, and the plaque has a series of different exercises for your shoulders, all for sh shoulder strength. It makes a giant difference, a giant difference. So you use these cables, and it's not hard work. You're not, like, lifting heavy weight or anything like this. This is, like, rehabilitation and strength right. work. So you're on the last ones, you are getting, like, a good pump, but it's very controlled. It's very controllable. And in the process, you're strengthening your shoulders. You're strengthening all the things that are not that strong, which is why you're probably getting injured in the first place, unless it's some sort of a catastrophic situation. For the most part, people get injured because their shoulders just aren't in good condition. No, I fell when I was uh, young off a cliff into a pool. It was 78 feet, Hamilton's Pool. It's right over here in Austin, Texas. And I landed not like you should land. Okay, and, so it was uh, catastrophic. And it, it ripped everything yeah. sprained both wrists and and my shoulders but i never had it looked at it was just bad for a long time and then i had it just a few years ago in beverly hills i had them do a cat scan or whatever the fuck mri probably what they say they said you got tears in both of them there that's where i fell right here Jeez. it was 78 feet oh my god and it was i was standing at the top where people were jumping off and i was really drunk and uh, oh, and no. I didn't really jump off i kind of tripped and stumbled and then just went oh well i'm going with it and fell oh, off and shit and uh, and I just landed like I was sitting down with my arms kind of back, and it was oh, just a, God. It was, How deep is the water? It it. Well, it turned out I wasn't very deep into it. It's a pretty deep pool, but I don't even know. But I was this far underwater because that's how flat I landed. I oh, didn't even no. go underwater. And uh, so oh, no, that must have sucked. I would knock the breath out of me, and people were like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Which they." I, they took that to mean I'm fine. Yeah, don't do a thing. Even if you have damage to your shoulders, that sh shoulder yeah, strengthening I, program will help you. If you, it'll help if, you if, retain retain um, range of motion because you're doing it kind of slowly. And if you just stay persistent with it and consistent, and just do it every day. And if you're doing it every day, you're not even doing it like that hard. It's not like a thing where you're like killing yourself. But you're doing like I's, Y's, and T's with like little dumbbells. Do things like that. And do just do like easy things that strengthen your shoulder. You'd be amazed at how much more shoulder mobility and strength you'd have if you just strengthen all the connective stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure that doing anything would be more than I'm doing now, which is absolutely nothing. Yeah, get a fucking trainer, Ron. Get some... You know what? I tried to get. I, I used to have sassy young lady that's gonna I, crack I, you into I, shape. I, I used to have my yoga instructor would come over to my house every day or five days a week, and she was beautiful and smart and funny, and she was great. And I would. It was basically a yoga nap. It was so easy, breathing and then you know with smells, and she was all nice. mystical and all shit. Right. And, I like it. And uh, <laughs> but my girlfriend was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think you good uh, call on her part. Right, right. Yeah, she was all over me. <laughs> She's never wrong. She's got this intuition that she's never been wrong. But, yeah. Uh, you don't want that around your man. That's them yoga freaks. Yeah. They're yeah, a little yeah. bit more in tune to sexuality. They're in a room that's 94 degrees, and they're all sweating on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it has Sticking a lasting their impression. up in the air. Yeah. I mean, everybody's a little bit more free after a yoga class. 
<laughs> but it was still good for me. It was a good way to start the day. Uh, oh, and, yeah. Uh, it's can't... a great way to start the day. I used to love doing it that way when I lived in California. I used to do the um, Bikram style. They changed the name after he got busted a bunch of times. But it was, <laughs> it was Bikram's when I first started. And it was uh, that series of poses, which I, I think he just popularized. I don't, I don't believe any of them. I, I don't even know if he put them in that order, if they were already in that order that people do them. But whatever it is, that order, forget what you think about him, as gross as that guy is. That, that guy, is, he's very funny. He, he's, he, he's wasn't, a, he wasn't all that people gross. People will pay one million dollars for one drop of my sperm. You ever see him say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ever yeah, see him say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, a million dollars yeah, yeah. for a yeah. he, he, uh, I earned that. I mean, he's a, a psychopath. Uh, yeah. Wild man. But that guy. Um, That's why you really can't start fucking your followers. Yeah. Because it's just going to. He seemed to Even though it, it seems like a while. good idea at the yeah. time. But, yeah, he was getting a lot of. He's a cult leader. Of, I mean, yeah, I right. think it's just like any other cult, even though it does provide the benefit of the yoga. So the thing is, like, whatever it is, like, is you take him out of the equation because it's not – they're not his exercises. And I, I don't think they're his order. Can you find out if that's true, if he put it in that order, if he invented the order? But whatever it is, if you just follow those exercises in that order, it's awesome. And you do it every day. And there's no variation. I love variation in a yoga class. I love to be able to go into a yoga class. They're doing different stuff. It's fun. But I also love going to this class where it's a 90-minute class and there's a specific number of movements and you know what they are because you've done this over and over and over and over again. Right. And it's a fucking challenge and you're all in there gutting it out together. Like that's a real human struggle. I know it yeah. sounds My ridiculous. experience was nothing like that. <laughs> this was uh, Kai. I'm on a, a little thing stretching my back while I'm laying there breathing in some incense. That's good, too, and, though. Uh, but, and, uh, yeah, doing some breath work. Listen, that's good, and, too. Uh, uh, just breathing and uh, yeah. no grunting. Well, with uh, the 90-minute one, you got to be hydrated. you got to be prepared for that. you got to get some electrolytes in your system. Yeah, you I went to a hot yoga one time, and, and I literally threw up in the parking lot. I, yeah. just, I was in there. It made me sick, and I'd eaten, you know, whatever. Actually, I guess I you think, shouldn't eat. And... I think they do it at 104. I think it's 104 uh, degrees. Bikram Yoga also follows a sequence of 26 postures. Students improve flexibility and circulation through this sequence with the high temperatures allow them to enter each pose more, posture more easily. The poses were chosen from... Chudhuri from classic Hatha poses designed to systematically move fresh oxygenated blood to 100% of your body to each organ and fiber. So, so it was him? He came up with this sequence? I, I think he hacked it, right? I think. I think he hacked it. I'm not finding anything that says he didn't. Because he made a bunch of claims yeah. about winning yoga tournaments in this country, and they're like, we don't mm -hmm. have yoga tournaments <laughs> in this country. So It's a yoga kumite. They meet in the yeah. woods. Yeah. The yoga to death. Um, okay, Hatha Yoga Studio practice different types of yoga. Most studios try to keep their hot yoga classes anywhere from a balmy 75 degrees to a steamy 95 degrees, the elevated temperature. Help you. I think they do 104. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Let's oh, just explain this here it goes. Place, yeah. Since we practice Bikram Yoga, our goal is to replicate the environment found in southern India. Our yoga teachers set the thermostats from 103 to 108 degrees. Mm. Let's go. Now, yeah. that's hot yoga. That's what Tony does, right? Mm -hmm. He does that every week. Yeah. So Pink Floyd music. Yeah. They yeah. have, yeah, that's, he says it's a really good class. Uh, th but he loves doing that hot yoga. It keeps Tony normal. It helps him with his evil brain. Yeah. His evil brain a needs a touch of the divine. Yeah. He, he needs, needs to be connected. Help. 
I love him to death. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> you sold out the fucking Madison Square Garden in sold three two hours. Two Madison Square Gardens. They're killing the game. <laughs> they deserve everything they're getting. It's you know a what? Fantastic and, that, show. and that just, when he came up with that idea, that didn't sound like a good idea to anybody, I don't think. You know, that we're going to get guys that suck for sure, <laughs> and they're going to do a minute, and we're going to make fun of them or whatever, try to help them or, you know, but. But it's such an engaging, amazingly great idea. And, well, you know uh, what it is? It's an idea that was developed entirely by Tony and Red Band together over years. So Tony comes up with the idea. He partners together with Red Band. They figure out how to do this slowly over years. So they're doing it in the belly room of the comedy store in front of like 50 fucking people. There's no one there in the beginning. They're doing from that to selling out Madison Square Garden in three hours in like 10 years. Right. Which is, but. Yeah, you can question it all you want to, but. If you uh, leave a great comic alone and let him come up with his own thing and then figure out, no one's better at hosting a show than that guy. Oh, nobody. He's the best. You know, he because he's into wrestling, so everything he announces, it's hard to follow the fucking credits that he gives you when he brings you on stage in that thing. You know, if you're one of his regulars, yeah. you know, you think this guy sold out three nights at fucking Madison yeah. Square Garden. You got to go follow that intro. Right. But, uh, you know, yeah, nobody could do it and nobody else could do it but him. He's I, so it's... quick. He's so quick with, like, roast lines. Like, when him and David Lucas go at it, I swear... I don't think I ever laugh harder in life. When him and David, there's there's some videos of him and David Lucas going at it where I'm red like a grape and I can't breathe because I haven't I haven't taken in a breath in 30 seconds. I'm just laughing. I'm just dying. They're so good at going back and forth with each other. They're so good. There's a shit ton of videos. We don't have to play any of them. But if people are interested, there's a shit ton of videos online of Tony and David Lucas. They're like, I've been telling these fucking dudes since the beginning of time. Not like Tony needs anything else now. Right. But if he wanted to do another podcast, the podcast is him and David Lucas just talking shit and reading the news. I'm like, you two get together and just talk shit about the news and start ragging on each other. It would be immensely popular. Right. Immensely popular. Those two dudes have magic together. There's something about those two characters when they get together and start talking shit to each other and they're both laughing when they get each other. There's no hard feelings at all. Right, none, none at all, none at all. When Tony gets David hard, David is the hardest laugher in the room. He's laughing harder than anybody and he's enjoying it. He doesn't feel bad at all, not even a smidgen and neither does Tony. When Tony, when David gets Tony and Tony goes, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you son of a bitch. You got me, this son of a bitch. And he starts talking about his bald spot. You, you son know. of a bitch. You son of a bitch. It's just, it's, they have so much fun. It's amazing because it's just such a well-oiled machine. It's just been running so smooth for so long. And then the New Year shows just took them to a to- totally different level. You know, having Jelly Roll come out there and sing to open up the show. <laughs> What the fuck, right? man? Yeah. What the fuck? Everybody wants to participate, you know? Oh, my God. It's so special. It's fucking awesome. And it's, I tell everybody, it's the cornerstone of stand-up comedy in Austin. It's the cornerstone. Because it's a place where people can get their first time ever on stage, and you can do it in front of a million fucking people. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I was pretty nervous, and it was like it was like 85 people. 
and uh, yeah, but and, uh, it's okay. Like, do you want to do this or not? Right? Oh, you know what? So that's, and the, not you. It, it's but you know it's what I'm the most like amazing the, thing. People coming up because it, it does send a net out there to find talented mm-hmm. people that they might not have seen that avenue to get to where we are another way. You know, mm-hmm. but they're fans of that. They're like, I could do that, and then yeah. They, do what it takes to get in it. And also, it encourages the spread of other rooms around town. you got enough talent that they get together, and then a guy says, hey, I have a room. Do you guys want to book a room? Do you want?" To? And then you always get that from the more industrious of the comics. They'll like figure, oh, yeah. we got a bar over here, oh, yeah. Tuesday night comedy night. And so the amount of work that folks can get around here is crazy you, right you now. You know what I used to do? I used to go to hotels that, that had a uh, a restaurant in them, and I'd have set up a comedy competition where you won twenty five dollars and a meal for two people, and then I would only invite comics I knew I could beat because I wanted that money. I needed that twenty five bucks and that free dinner for two. Me and Lori Marshall's mom would go down there, just happy as we could be, eating our free food. I won another one, you know. Uh, Why didn't John McDonald? Well, yeah, I couldn't get a hold of him. That's smart. Oh, yeah. What a great way to... A little stage time. Nice. That's a good scam. Free food. That's a solid scam. Yeah. Yeah, when I lived in Boston, we were real lucky. There were so many road gigs. There were so many gigs you could do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could almost work seven days a week if you knew enough booking agents and you were willing to drive. You had a reliable car. You'd go to New Hampshire one night. Next night, you're in Bill Ricca. Next night, you're in Rhode Island. Like, you're moving around. Well, you know what I did... Was which was pretty smart, uh, and I never accuse myself of being smart very often. But uh, yeah. but I noticed that that really you're a master of ceremonies. You're not the opening act. You know the, your biggest job as the opener was to be the MC. You yeah. know, and so if you did a written, I noticed everybody was doing a really shitty job. They had a crinkled up notes in their pocket next week at the thing, yeah. and I was like, and uh, I I'm like I'm going to get good at that. You know, in my act too, but I'm going to do a really good job. I'm going to study the notes. I'm going to know them. I'm going to make it look like a show. You know, I'm going to do a better job at being a host than those guys are. And then I had, there were four clubs in the Dallas area. I worked one of them once a month as the opening act. So I worked every goddamn night, nine shows a week. And, uh, but you know why? Because I was a better fucking host, not because I was funnier. I was just, I made it look like showbiz. That's you know? nice. Make it look like a slick fucking deal. You know? Yeah. That's what yeah. Tony does. He makes it look like a, look like a fucking, the right kind of package, you know. It's done the right way. But it's also wild, too. That show's wild. Like some of the shit they say is so wild. It's so, they so go for it. Well, that's why, you know, that's what I love about it, because you don't know. You yeah. don't know. That deck ain't stacked, folks. No. But, and I, and let me tell you something. I tried to stack it one time because my banker wanted to do stand-up, and I thought I could just slide him in. They were like, no fucking way. They do those come out of a hat. Yeah. We don't know who they are. It's the only and, way to uh, do it. And, and, and you guys explain to me, and I'm like, of course that's right. It you know, has of course to be that's like right. biblical law. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you have to just right. really reach in there that, and really get right. a piece. Otherwise, you're lying about the whole thing. Right, right. And I'm telling you, folks, I tried, yeah, and no. uh, and I was shot down. No, it's it's uh, it, the show crackles. It crackles. With... I had to go back to my banker and go, uh, yeah, I can't do anything <laughs> really to help you. That's hilarious, your uh, banker. Yeah, he's going to give you an interest rate I'm sure decrease. He, I'm sure he's hilarious. <laughs> the world's missing out fun. on something big. Maybe it'd be fun to watch. Him but bomb. you know what? The thing is, you can come up there and with a recommendation from me, you can do three minutes uh, on monday night sure you know yeah and, you do uh, open mic night open yeah. mic night so that's and that's what he did 
Well, that's a great way to start. That's how you want to start. You don't want to start on Kill Tony, but a lot of people have. Well, yeah, right. That's what I mean. That would be a hard place to start. Insane. And especially if you know it's a million fucking people. But also, like, amazing thing to document if that really was the first time and you actually wound up going on from there and having a career. Yeah, and you'd have have good footage of it. Yeah, I mean, look, it can be done. It can be done if you're funny. There's, there's people out there that are, you, we all know people that are so funny that for whatever reason never decided to stand up. Yeah. For me, it was my boss. I was uh, working for a private investigator at one point in time. And uh, he lost his license drinking driving and he put in an ad for a private investigator's assistant. It was really just someone to drive him around because yeah. he didn't have a license. And so I was looking for like unconventional <laughs> ways to make money while I was doing martial arts. So that was what I decided to do. I started working for this guy. When I was doing stand-up comedy, when I just started, I was just like one open mic, two open mics in. Like I had just started, and I met this dude, and he was absolutely the funniest dude I had ever met in my life. I couldn't believe how funny he was. Right, funnier just than any of the comedians the at the clubs. Mm, yep. uh, totally natural, laughing about everything, and the guy fucking went cold turkey. No AA, no programs, no nothing. Crashed his car, ran from the cops, got busted, and is like, you know what? I'm fucking done. I'm fucking done. This guy was a character, man. He was a fucking character. His name is Dave Dolan. He used to call himself Dynamite Dickless Dave Dolan. He's one of the funniest fucking human beings I've ever met. And you just drove him around? He drove him around for months. Because I, I forget how long he lost his license for. I don't know what it is You know, when your license gets suspended for DUI. But he lost it for quite a amount of time, and during that time, I was uh, making my transition from uh, stand-up, from fighting to uh, stand-up, because I was I was in the middle of both worlds, and it was while I was working for him. Were you that still I had playing pool fights. at the time? Were you? No, I wasn't playing pool? pool at all. No, I wasn't playing pool at all. I didn't start playing pool until I hurt my knee. I mean, I played a couple of times here and there with friends, but I wasn't like really into it until I tore my ACL. You know, if you uh, have an ACL injury, it has to be diagnosed. And then you have to schedule an appointment. And you have to get surgery. It took, so it was a long time where I couldn't, I couldn't do any martial arts. It was just too unstable. And it was really fucked up. I, I badly tore my ACL and tore my meniscus. It was like real wobbly. So I really couldn't do martial arts. So it was only just like lifting weights. And I was looking for something challenging to do. And me and my friend would go. He got a job. My friend John got a job working at this pool hall and he and I would just go there and just knock balls around for free during the day because he was working there. Right. So he'd be like working behind the counter and we and I just got obsessed with it, man. And I just happened to be around all these people that were like really good players. Like high level professionals would come in from the road because it was a gambling pool hall. It's called Executive Billiards in White Plains. This is Boston? No, this was New York. Okay. So I was I didn't really get into pool until I was like twenty three, twenty four. 23 or 24. That's when I really started getting into pool. Like and that's right, right. before stand-up or? No, I was in the middle of stand-up. It was, okay. it was a problem where like my manager said to me, he goes, I think you care more about pool than you do your career. I was like, oh, oh shit. I was like golf. He was, was right. Like your golf. Your... I was playing every day. Eight, 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 ten hours a day. No shit. Every day. Every day. I was traveling to go play in tournaments. I was going to tournaments many nights of the week that I could have easily been doing stand-up. I was going to play in tournaments. I'd go to Connecticut to play. I'd go to Jersey to play. I go to West End Billiards and watch the Killers play. Wow. West End Billiards was this place in uh, a real sketchy part of New Jersey. Ooh, it was sketchy. And uh, it was this place where it was world-renowned as being like a player's pool hall. Like Hawaiian Rodney Morris was there and fucking Mike Siegel played there. Like the the greats of all time. Do they they even have places like that around here where... 
It's not that many of them. There's hard times in Sacramento. That's still a big one. That's a big one. They stream big tournaments from there. Yeah. That's that one's legit. That's a legit like real players pool hall. But there's uh there's not a lot of them left in the country, unfortunately. Because the game, it's not very publicized, except it's got more of a following now because of the internet, because people are watching those clips. Right, watching. And they uh, realize, real high-level pool, you know, like Joshua Filler, watch that guy play. My favorite is this uh, guy from uh, Taiwan. His name is Koping Chung. He's my favorite. He's so smooth. When you watch that guy move the ball around the table, it's so effortless and precise, and his cue ball control is just magical. Magical. He played in the U.S. Open and won 11 games in a row on a four-inch pocketed table. If you, if you knew how crazy that is to run those kind of racks on a four-inch pocketed table, it's like almost so unheard what, what, of. So what is a four? I don't even know. That's how, I don't even okay, know. Okay, so if you buy a, a Brunswick gold crown stock from the factory, yeah. it probably has five-inch pockets. If you buy a diamond, it has four and a half, but you can get it all the way down to four. And they got it all the way down to four. Four-inch pockets are fucking small. Yeah. They're small. And this fucking dude ran 11 games with four-inch four pockets. Inch pockets. He, he went through so the he, entire— So he ran 11 games? I mean, like the other guy didn't get a shot for either 11 the guy, games? Either the guy had a shot and missed, and then he ran out. Or he had a safety, he made a safety, and the guy had a kick, and then he got the ball back. But whatever he did, he just played like perfect pool for a number of games. See, if you watch the guy play, man, if you really know how to play, like, it's just effortless. There's something about the style. And he, he just keeps getting better, too. Like, every time you see him in each tournament, he just gets a little bit better. These guys all stopped playing because of the pandemic. So for for a couple of years, they couldn't play internationally. Right. They so just... they kind of fell off a little bit. And only the guys who were in certain tours where you were allowed to still play, guys were playing with masks on. It got, like, real weird for a while. And some of the guys, since international travel was limited, they didn't get that high pressure, you know, going to the U.S. Open in Atlantic City. That was the big one where he was at. That's like a big That's where he was in, yeah, while that was being shot. That's all the killers from all around the world gather up in Atlantic City. And do they know who's going to win no. before they go into it? You can't know or, who's going to win. They're too good. I mean, did they? so there's not a number one that's significantly better than everybody else, like there was in golf for years with Tiger Woods. There's a guy named Shane Van Boning, and he's won more than anyone, and he's won the U.S. Open. He's tied with Earl Strickland, who's another one of the all-time greats. I think uh, maybe Strickland has more. Strickland might have more. Who won, who won the most U.S. Opens, Shane Van Boning or Strickland? Either way, this guy wins everything. He's won World Nine Ball. He's won so the U.S. There, Open multiple times. He's favored to beat most people, but that doesn't mean he's going to win because a guy like Coping Chung could just run out, and you, and you, you don't might don't never get, get a, a shot at it, right? Okay, Earl Strickland and Shane Van Boning, both from the U.S., share the record for winning the U.S. Open nine-ball championship the most time, five. Strickland in 84, 87, 93, 97, and 2000, and then Van Boning in 2007, 12, 13, 14, and 16. He's evil. He's evil on the table. And when he plays, he shuts his uh, hearing aids off. He's got hearing aids. He shuts those bitches off, and he's in a world of his own, man. He doesn't hear any jeering. pinball wizard. He's the pinball wizard. Yeah. He's the pinball wizard. Yeah, he's a monster, man. He's a monster. 
one of the greatest players of all time. Like, if you have a list of the top five greatest players of all time, and you have Shane Van Boning on that list, we're we're not having a conversation. Well, is, you're the, a silly person. And what's his mothership? Where does he go to hang out? Well, and he's play he's pool. South and... Dakota is where he started out. They call him the South Dakota kid. He had a table in the basement that had really tight pockets, and he would practice his break on it so much that the center of the table was just white from being compressed from the cue ball, smashing into the rack, and then slapping down the same spot over and over. He broke so much that he created like a white cloud around where you rack the ball. Because wow. he's just obsessed. And like universally regarded as the, one of the greatest breakers of all time, so, if not the greatest. So these guys are on some spectrum. A hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, right, because yeah, it's got to matter. You have to be. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. You have to be. Yeah, you so. want to compete? Yeah. You go get vaccinated. You, we, <laughs> we, we need you. We, we need you in a fucking different realm. No, yeah. there's a lot of guys that are like super normal that are high-level competitors that are like normal guys. Like, you could hang out with them. They're cool as fuck. It's just a, an obsession that they could have been doing that with anything else. Could have been disc golf. It could right, have been frisbee. Carpentry. Car- it could, whatever it is. Doing, These yeah. are just obsessive people that are fascinated Decided by the get, game. It's a crazy Tiger stat I just saw over the weekend. Over a 10-year stretch from 99 to 2009, Tiger was more <sighs> likely to win 34% than finish ninth or worse, 32%, for 10 years. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, nobody ever racks up those kinds of numbers. You oh, know, he's a monster. You got 150 people every yeah. week, so you should win one one out of 152. You know, uh, and instead of 25 percent of the ones that you fucking enter, it's just crazy. Yeah, you have I'd to never be, be done again. I'd, I'd like to think a mad genius to pull that off, and a mad genius raised by his dad to be that from the time he was really young. <laughs> You know? Yeah, you'd have to have a springboard. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what he was. Right. And also, like, if your dad plays golf, man, if if someone in your family plays, I really, really wonder this. If you, are you transferring some of your comedy into your kids? Are you transferring some of your, they've said that even bad ideas, like even racism can be inherited. This, this is like a speculation. I forget how they ran that study, but they think that there's some aspect of thinking and of life and of experiences that somehow or another gets transferred to your kid. Which makes sense because the, the big ones do. Like fear of spiders, fear of uh, right. like monsters under the base, uh, <clears throat> in, the, in the basement. Those fears that kids have. You think they come? They come from memories of being eaten by cats almost entirely. It's thousands of years of proto-hominids being slaughtered by cats. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're scared so of monsters. It, it just doesn't bother me, <laughs> I guess. Well, it would if we were outside, Ron White. Yeah, heard something. I feel safe in here. I, f- I feel safe in here with your big frog burps. <laughs> yeah. Big frog burps. We have to have uh, protection from the animals, folks. Don't get cocky. People are getting cocky right now. They're getting cocky, talking about bringing grizzly bears back. Shut your fucking dirty mouth. Yeah. Do you want grizzly bears in Beverly Hills? What are you gonna? What, if they're gonna be fully protected and you can't do anything about it, are you gonna count on the wildlife people to be able to get the grizzly bear? And you, yeah, and you gotta <laughs> before it, it eats if, you. I'm gonna tell you right now: if that grizzly wants to fuck you, just let him fuck you. Let him fuck let, you. Let, That's ahead. the best case don't, scenario. Don't don't fight back. Don't argue. Push back. Push back. Yeah. Push back. Make, make all the right noises. <laughs> Do whatever it takes. Pretend like you love it. You love it. Yeah. Fucking love it. That's what I would do. You love living. Let that bear fuck you. Yeah. You imagine the kind of VD you get from a grizzly bear. Oh, my God. 
You think that's what's going on out there? Yeah, I think so. Well, that I think we tried to make that connection with syphilis. I don't think we did. <laughs> but there was, we were trying, I was, I think someone had told me that there was two, it was a fucking really smart guy, I forget who it was, but it was someone told me that there was two different strains of syphilis and one of them seems to have definitely come from uh, North America. So like uh, sailors came over in the 1400s with like the Pinta and the Santa Maria and shit. When they went back, they brought syphilis with them because it seems like there's a different strain of syphilis that ran through Europe during that time period. The same place where these people had just got back from. So they picked North it America. up from our locals. Yeah. And took it back with Well, them. that's what we did. We gave them horrible diseases. They gave us a few. They make fucking holes in your face. The syphilis one was a wild one. That's a wild one. I got a lot of guys, man. Ooh, killed a lot of people. A lot of guys. Killed Al Capone. That slow, brain-rotting, fucking nothing you can do about it. Isn't it scary that the diseases like that come from sex? So weird. So weird that nature is that like be, so concerned that we're going to overpopulate yeah. <laughs> that it gives you diseases that you only the, the, get from sex. You, you have to live in fear. There's but, the scariest one, syphilis and AIDS. What scares you more than syphilis and AIDS? Nothing. If you get a pres- <laughs> Doc, I'm not feeling so good. Syphilis <laughs> or AIDS. <laughs> Either one. Like, oh, oh shit. Syphilis, a, I guess? I don't know. This is a fucking problem. Magic Dawson's doing okay. Man. As much shit as people talk about, like pharmaceutical drug companies or drug or medical science in general, I am so thankful they exist. Because if it wasn't for them, if there was no penicillin, oh, do you know how fucked we'd be? And I know people are saying, oh, people are abusing antibiotics. They are. They yeah, are. Yeah, That's sure. true. But isn't it great that we have antibiotics? <laughs> yeah. Because if it wasn't, sure the fuck half is. the fucking people would be dead. <laughs> right. Not, not half, but you know what it's like. Back in the day, if you got a staph infection, that was a wrap. That was it, buddy. You're, That's right. It's and going systemic. It's taking over your blood. Yeah, and if you had breast cancer, you were done. That's just pure death sentence. Bone breaks. That, yep, That's done. a wrap. You're losing that leg. Yeah, teeth yeah. gone. Done. You don't eat. You starve. You can't keep up. There was this um, tribe that I was reading about. I forget whose book was it. Uh, but it was about um, what happens with the older women in this tribe. It's horrible that the younger males, when they realize the older women aren't keeping up anymore, they'll sneak behind them and bludgeon them over the head. And what's not keeping up? They don't keep up because they're they're nomadic tribal people, and it's you know. Oh, you mean they're like lagging behind the group exactly. as it moves? Exactly. And exactly. Then, and then what happens to them? They get killed by the oh. younger males. So they have a fear of the young males. And they have a, fear, a natural, a natural fear of them. Yeah. Fear. Well, it's it's supposedly accepted in the tribe because it's understood that at a certain time you're not you're you're putting them in danger. You're putting them in danger by slowing them down. Right. It's really dark. It's really dark. I think was it Malcolm Gladwell? I don't remember who who. No, Killers of the Flower Moon was the. Um, I know it's. I I googled tribe young males kill older women book and that's what's popping up. They did that as well. It's just that book is popping up. They might have talked about it. They might have talked about it. They might. I didn't see that movie yet. I heard it's awesome though. Have you seen it? Killers of Flower. No, movie? I haven't seen it. You see it, Jamie? I was gonna watch it last night. And just didn't. Well, Jamie, where's your report, please? Uh, What's it on? It's report? really good. It's uh, still available for rent. It will be on something Apple or something next month. I don't know. I think it's on. Uh, it's on iMovie right now. Yeah, it's or, on everything to yeah, rent and buy. TV. Like it's yeah, just not available yeah. for free streaming. I should. Oh, I see. Specify. I got money. I mean, He's yeah, got yeah. money. What are you saying? Why are you trying to save Ron? Three ninety nine. Yeah, it's yeah. Come on. Three ninety nine. Do you want to buy it? Do you want to rent it? <coughs> rent it. I don't have that kind of money. I'm not going to. Yeah, isn't I'm it weird? Like they it. give you an option to watch it over for the rest of your life. 
Right. Well, sometimes they take that shit away. Do you? It's happened. Even if you buy it, do they refund no, no. your money? No, no. I mean, like if you don't buy it, you oh, then you can't get it again. You can't get it when you want it. Ooh, that's interesting. Ooh. So is that like they have long-term deals? Like Apple would have a but deal? But I thought I was buying stuff on iTunes, and it's just disappeared. I mean, things I bought, you know, are just gone on iTunes. They, now it says they're not available in the country that you're in. I'm like, this is the country I bought them in. Yeah, that's weird. That might be a glitch. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Um, but I was reading you. something very bizarre about Google and their uh, terms of service and what they're going to do to adjust something for a sensitive event. Did you see that? I could send you the article, but it was one of those ones where I, I read it and I was like, I read uh, like one paragraph into it and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is starting to make me angry. I don't want to read into this. Well, I don't know where my phone is, but um, I wanted to ask because it's something, it, literally, I go to Allman Brothers. There's an article from Fort. And, uh, and uh, go to, I want to listen to uh, a song. It says no longer available in the country you're in, and that's iTunes. And then I can, but I can push the button and say play. Uh, <clears throat> The Allman Brothers Band, and it'll play it. It'll hmm. play it, but it, but I don't have it at my command on iTunes, like I did. I don't know where it went. I thought I was buying that stuff. That's what I meant. But I, apparently, I wasn't buying it. Right. Uh, I just thought I was buying it because it isn't there anymore. Yeah, I don't know how that works. They must have some different licensing deals with certain songs. Jamie, um, that's not it. It's something that was real recent, and they were talking about uh, what they would do for a significant significant cultural event. Let's see, let me see if I can. This is a new policy going into effect February 2024. It clearly defines what constitutes a quote sensitive event for purposes of prohibiting certain exploitative or insensitive ads and content. Yeah, that's it. Well, Google already had policies in place for ads and YouTube monetization. This expands the restrictions to Google's publisher network as well. And so there was it was defined in a certain way. See if you could pull up what it actually says. Because the way it was defined, what disturbed me was that it's very blanket. A sensitive event is defined rather as an unforeseen or unexpected situation that poses significant risk to Google's ability to provide high quality relevant information while reducing insensitive. Insensitive content is that I have a concern with that. Well, insensitive yeah. content it's, in prominent yeah. and monetized features. Insensitive content. Insensitive to who? Exactly. So open that, to subjective. Now, listen to this, though. Sensitive events include those with major social, cultural, or political impact, such as civil emergencies, natural disasters, public health crises, terrorism, conflict, or mass violence. So what they're saying is you must be sensitive if you're going to discuss civil emergencies, natural disasters, public health crises, anything with a major social, cultural, or political impact, terrorism, mass violence, you must now be sensitive. The thing is, like, whatever they're trying to say, whatever they're trying to do to make uh, the, the, the online world a nicer place, right. you got to be really careful with saying things like that. Because sensitive is a weird term. If someone is violently opposed to who? Right. Also, when someone is violently extent? opposed to something that's happening, like think about one, one or many of the military conflicts around the world. Don't pick right. a side. What if someone is violently opposed to these people dying and losing their lives and they're talking about it? Is that an insensitive piece of content that can now be censored by a new policy? Is that what it is? Or is they just going to demonetize it, which they've kind of always done? I think this was talking about people who are making ads using their platform, not people who are hosting content on their platforms. I, I so say it, it again. I, it? So I got to like admit, if, I'm a little lost on this one. 
I think I, think I see so what you're saying. So if any of the listeners out there are also a little confused as the No, it's about them having the ability to censor you. Right. So if you do the Ron White show on YouTube, right. which is owned by Google, if they decide that this something of whatever you're doing is in somehow or another offensive. They would want to edit it. I don't know what yeah, they're saying they can is, and can't do. I think it's making ads. I but, don't know if it has to do with the content. That Again, that's on YouTube. I think this policy content change is for people who use the Google Ads platform and create ads like this one I'm showing you right here so that you can't abuse it. You can't monetize it. But look I, how it's phrased, please. Go, go back to the top sentence. So look at... It says the updated policy provides practices including price gouging, misdirected traffic, and victim blaming during sensitive events. I'm with the first ones, price gouging, misdirected traffic. I'm with those, but victim blaming during sensitive events that one gets touchy because like what are we? It's just using the ads though. It's like making some weird ad to pop up to get you to click on something that's going to pop up on content that might be about that event or anything like that. I understand. But victim blaming, the thing about victim blaming is you can do it both ways, right? Like victim blaming, like with Hamas and Palestine and, and Israel, you could go, you could victim blame on both sides. You could say the Israelis were doing this, and that's why Hamas had to attack. Uh, and then you say Hamas attacked, and that's why the Israelis are doing this. And you fucking people uh, should have known better, and you fucking people should have known better. That's victim blaming. Sure. You, you got to let people talk. Yeah. And if talking looks like victim blaming until people work it out, then why not let You can't just stop people from it. talking. So what are we saying? Are we saying that it's just they can't monetize that? Well, then what happens is if you're not monetizing stuff, you let people know that unless they self-censor, it's going to cost them financially. Even if the ads, like, like say if the represents a company that is actually interested in this discussion and wants to know, like, what is the right, what's the right perspective on this? Who's most informed? Who's looking at this the most correctly? If you're a company and you're, why wouldn't you want to advertise on something where people are just talking about what may or may not be happening in the world? And if you're going to do that on YouTube, then you have to worry about you're losing your ability to make a living now. It's like, ooh, is that what happens? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is this this is just a blanket policy in in case of the most egregious offenses that all people agree are terrible and should probably not be okay. But then who gets to decide that? What happened to the frogs eating the mouse and shit like that? Ron White, this is the future of people being able to talk shit. That's what it is. No, I believe that, you know. It's kind of the future of people being able to talk shit because this is how it goes away. Right. It goes away through stuff like that. Sure. It goes away through people deciding that something's insensitive, which is like 98% of all jokes. Right. Yeah, you don't want to come to my... You don't yeah. want to come to my show. That's what I'm saying. Here's their examples they give. Uh, okay, here's some examples. All right, violations of this. Okay, what is examples? Not exhaustive. Ads, ads like that claim one. victims of. Oh, ads that claim victims of sensitive event responsible for their own tragedy or yeah, similar instances right. of victim. Okay, ads. Yeah, it's, it's so Google it's just ads. about ads. Yeah, at least so, for now it is. You know, maybe they could switch it and be like, now all content, but. Well, that's completely reasonable. Right. If it's yeah. just about ads, that's yeah. completely reasonable. Right. Yeah. I guess you should want to be able to control how fucked up the ads are. Because that's kind of, well, is it? It's just ads. They're just like, you, you can still use other parts of the internet that can still. But you can't use propaganda. You just, can't lie. Yeah, you can't use Google ads, blame. which is the biggest part of the internet advertising world. Right. They you shut you out. Do it somewhere else, is all they're saying. Right. Well, that seems reasonable. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. As yeah. long as they're not doing that with the actual content of the 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 podcast because i do know that they demonetize 
they demonetize people all the time if you talk about certain subjects. It's it's always been a problem. Right. It, this it, is, yeah, this and is, they, they don't do that to you, do they? They used to do it. Yeah, they used to do it up until the time when we switched over to Spotify. They on stopped their website, doing it. this is specifically under advertising policies. Yeah. So, so I think now, it's now they kind don't of, do it to anybody? Or they, no, no, they do it to other people. They do it to other people all the time. But they stopped doing it to us for like three months, like where they didn't give us any dings. We're doing the same show. Right. I don't know any other way to do this. You right. gotta sit down and talk shit. It's yeah, the only right, way to do it. Right. If I change that for somebody that's gonna censor something or I'm gonna lose money, like what are you talking about? Like I can't change what I do. No. I have no. zero interest in doing that. Yeah. You know, and if I don't think it's offensive, then <laughs> th that's it. <laughs> that's the well, end of the conversation. And I think you're pretty sensitive. Yeah, I'm sensitive. I try yeah. to be sensitive about these kind of things. It's just uh, you gotta let people talk. And just because people disagree with you, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. Did you see that clip? <laughs> he was the, the way he was phrasing it was actually kind of funny. He was talking about white frailty or white anxiety, it, that it's a public health crisis, that white people who vote Republican, it's just like an opioid epidemic. This guy was comparing the two. <laughs> Here, I'm going to play. You want to send this to you, Jamie? I don't know where this is. I don't know where he said this. I just saw it on Twitter. And I'm like, man. You got to get out of the house. You got to go hang out with some different folks yeah. because they don't have an opioid epidemic. There's a lot of people that are the conservative people that are like really clear thinking people. Like this, Absolutely. Yeah, they just they don't they think there's a, this is a mess and they want things to change. And right. They want the rule of law put back in place. It doesn't mean they're on opiates. Opioids, right. No. This is so crazy yeah. to say that everybody who doesn't agree with you is on drugs. It's well, you know, and that that gets fired back both on on both sides. Just uh, of it's because you're in, now you're in a stupid war where you're like you're stupid. No, yeah, you're stupid. Right, it you is. People and are on drugs. Who brought back name calling? Yeah, was that? I don't know. If you had been taught equality from the beginning, you wouldn't be flipping out. But that's how hegemonic dominance works, and so I think that's why it happens. And we have to be willing to talk about that because it's really unhealthy. This white anxiety is a public health crisis. In that regard, and that's why you know not only we were talking in the other room a minute ago before we came in here, you know that that it's not just the opioid crisis that we think about with folks killing themselves disproportionately, increasingly white working class folks who are um, you know using heroin or using over the counter uh, opioids, um, but they're political opioids. Turning to a candidate who says, "You vote for me, and I will take away your pain. I will bring back those jobs. I will make your life better." That's a form of an opiate as well. So we got to be honest about about the dysfunctionality. Uh, and the real danger of the front lash, backlash, whatever we want to call it, even for the people who are, you know, thinking they're going to benefit from it. Yeah. What you see right there is a wild instance of someone that's used to being around like a certain type of people that think a certain type of way. Right. And, and think it's okay to say it out loud. Gonna, everyone's going to go along with a this. a bigger forum. And you put that out there to the world. And the whole world is like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? They're not on opioids. What are you saying? Someone and, is gonna and why make are you dressed like that? You shouldn't well, you even have like an that. opinion. That I, doesn't bother me at all. It does. He's, he's dressed like Edie I mean would dress in a casual uh, setting. Let me see it again. I didn't even think about how he's dressed. I just thought about what he was saying. That he he just dressed like a regular it's guy. It's paramilitary. No, it's no. Par yeah, it is. It is. That's it like, a like a car shirt. That's no. Sure. That, that, that guy doesn't look paramilitary at all. Ron White. Maybe I saw it in his eyes. I don't know. No. Well, it is okay. kind of. It's kind of a very fascist Fidel perspective. Castro. Come on. No, it's just a, a shirt with two buttons. Beard. 
It's just but a this guy's up pockets. to no good. Looks like the guy's got some that have suits on. So why not wear a suit? Um, he's probably a casual guy. Casual guy tuned into Play the cool. younger people. Casual Friday. You just like that. That's a crazy thing to say, and it's it's also uh, it's not a nuanced perspective on the whole race issue in this country in this world. It's a silly thing to do, to say that all people that are Republicans that are these white people are like on opioids and they want someone to yeah. rescue them. It's so silly. It's so stupid to lump them all into white people. First of all, because there's a lot of people that are Republican that aren't white. There's a shit ton of them. Man. Go down to Miami. Those Cubans are all Republican. Right? They're all Republican. <clears throat> There's so many Republicans down there. It's a silly thing to say. And it's also a silly thing to say that the people that oppose you politically are just wrong, so wrong that they're looking for a drug to rescue them. And that like someone who comes along and says that they can do a better job is offering you heroin. <laughs> I think both uh, both sides have a really difficult time understanding the perspective of the other. Yep. You know, there's just a big swing and a miss, and you could butt heads all day, and nothing budges. And- yep. And, uh, you know, I know some real smart, wealthy guys that disagree with me 100%. And uh, so when we're around each other, guess what we don't do? Talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's so much more. That, uh, there's so many connections that we do have. Yeah. You know, why let that political thing get in the way of friendship? Because it sure can if you let it, you know. It, but Here's the problem. This is the number one problem. People attach themselves to their ideas. And they attach themselves to a party that their ideas most likely have been adopted from. Most people's opinions politically are a conglomeration of a group of people's opinions they've adopted. Whether it's right-wing people, extreme right-wing, I mean, I'm saying most, what is it, 60%? How many Environmental productivity. There's a lot of people that are not independent thinkers, is my point. Everybody, almost. Most people. Right. So when you get connected ideologically, very personally, to a group of opinions, and then someone opposes that group of opinions, they're attacking you. They're attacking you. You take it very personally, and people are deceptive about the way they phrase things in order to try to win, and it's entirely because their self-worth is connected to this verbal jousting that they're doing, which is both productive and unproductive at the same time, because it lets you find out things are bullshit. It is fruitless. But it does allow you sometimes to find out if things are bullshit. But on the other hand, it's not smart. It's not a smart way to communicate because most people are in the middle on everything. Most people just want the world to be a safer place. You want your kids to go to nice schools. You want your right. neighborhood to be safe. You want people to make money. You want the economy to do well. You don't want any war. Yay. Yeah. That's that's the most important shit. And we want most it to be people. balanced and we want it to work. Right. You know, most for as many want, people as possible. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't tell me what to do. You know, yeah. have laws in place to keep people from getting fucked over, but take your fucking hands off approach. But as soon as what people don't understand is as soon as you start developing all these different areas of business and of life that have to be adjusted, have to be adjusted. And that's like, you know, putting uh, like DEI initiatives and doing these different things where you're not going to hire the most qualified people. You're going to hire people. You want to hire a certain percentage of people from this part of the world, a certain percentage of people from that. It's like what you're even if you think you are doing better for the world, what you don't recognize is that this is a pattern of control and this pattern of control that can be used to manipulate people to thinking they're doing something good socially which they may very well be what it really does is allows control of businesses in a new way 
and it allows control of public perception in a new way that can be manipulated to get you to do certain things and get you to allow certain legislation to get passed that has the government have much more control over what you do or what you say and how much money they get and money for programs and it's you're locked into a system now and if you want to be a good person you have to follow this pattern sure that's where things get squirrely and so as soon as people start telling people how they can and can't talk this book's got to be gone you can't say that you can't teach this as soon as that happens and the government steps in we're fucked we're fucked because if they step in, they're not going to do it for, for what's in your best interest. They're going to do it in whatever way makes them the most money or cost them the least. Well, you know, the, <clears throat> something's got to keep this herd going in yeah. the right direction, you know. I think it's mushrooms. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, let's just go back to that answer. One day. One day. Uh, one day. Mushroom off for the whole oh, world. Oh, yeah. Well, eventually that organism will just take over everything. It really grows well, and it, it'll be, it'll just get in your shoes, and, and, and it'll balance everything out. Everything will make sense. Yeah. You know what will happen? It'll get uh, airborne. The spores will get airborne. Start it'll, getting it'll people fix every airborne. problem we've ever had. That's what we need. That's what we need. Ari Shafir created Shroom Fest, and if he was more ambitious, that would be the number one festival in the world. If he was more ambitious, I would have heard of it, for sure. <laughs> it's just an unofficial thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a, joking around. I'm all for it. July of every year. There's places now where you can go, it's actually legal. Especially if you Colorado, go- Colorado, right? Is it, I believe Colorado yeah. decriminalized it, and I think Portland essentially decriminalized almost everything. Yeah. I think, uh, or, is it Oregon in total? decriminalized almost everything or is it just portland there's I some think the gloves are off in portland you can do whatever you, you, do want, whatever you want to up there. yeah some beautiful, lady beautiful who's, town some lady who was uh no sales she's tax. either running for office or she's uh oregon's first in nation law decriminalized possession of small amounts of heroin cocaine and other illicit drugs in favor of an emphasis on addiction treatment is facing strong headwinds yeah. in the progressive state after an explosion of public drug use fueled by the proliferation of fentanyl. Oh, my God. They flooded the streets. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be uh, it's, it's got to be legal and free. That's, mm. that, that's the only answer. It's got to be completely legal and it's got to be no cost to you. And that's the only thing that's going to make it less profitable, which is what drives the whole thing anyway. You got to give it away. You got to do what the Japanese did to us with television sets flood the fucking market, choke <laughs> them out. That's what you got to do. You want to die over the heroin over to fucking go. You yeah. go, buddy. We're, we got too many of us anyway. Fucking take you. Make the decision. Not a lot of people make the decision to fucking do it. You going to run for president? I'm not. I'm not. And listen, once you become a pastor, people believe you more. Right. I know, I know, I know. I'd That's be good at it. I know I could do That's it. That's what I'm I saying, Ron. Start pastor. I when got you're, pastor you are hair. A goddamn you know? spring chicken compared to Biden. <laughs> we can trot you out in a couple of years of like fine polishing. Right. So we start. We start the Christian co 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 church. Start the church. Get it all sorted we, out. We haven't decided Christian. We just said we're going oh, well, we to a big. Go. I think Scientology. That's what I was going to say, Ron. Get him involved. You know, Look, I'm down with your craziness. Just be, let's be friends. I could be. Uh, you rub my back, I'll rub yours. Right. That's, Come that, on. that's, I can and that's be the way it really works. Comedic Tom Cruise. Right. I can hang in there for you. <laughs> I can say, listen. We're going to need celebrities. That's for sure. I know it sounds crazy on paper. Because everybody believes it. But once you experience it and you realize 
the Thetans are real. Have you ever seen the South Park animation of what Scientologists believe? Yeah, I think I have. I, the, you know, those guys just crack me up. They're I, amazing. I, no, nobody laughs me, makes me laugh like those guys. They're the tip the, of the spear in the culture war. South Park is the tip of the spear yeah. in the culture war. They go after everybody forever, and they yeah. can get away with it because it's a cartoon. Right. And it's a super unrealistic-looking cartoon. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and right. Grandfather and there's in. No, yeah, there's no way you could ever think it was real. And they're genius, and, and uh, the characters uh, never get old. That's the most amazing the thing. Best. I watch it all the time. You, when you have a cartoon that doesn't even look remotely real, that character could be that forever. There's no timeline. Yeah. They're in they're in school for the rest of their fucking lives. That's the only constant in my life is uh, South Park. I can get 24 hours a day and uh, Fear Factor. Ah! Fear Factor comes on my television. Every time I turn it on, it automatically goes straight to Fear Factor. And... Uh, and you have to turn it off before something happens that you go, oh, God. That's hilarious. But, and I don't know why. It's a deal they made with Samsung on these TVs, mm -hmm. but that's what it goes to. And no matter what you were watching before, whenever you turn it off, turn it back on, fear factor. Yeah, I got a Samsung TV in the gym, and when I turn it on, it goes right to Hell's Kitchen every time. It's always Hell's Kitchen. I wonder Kitchen. why mine's... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like if you set it on a channel at one point in time, it just goes back to that channel. Maybe that's what I don't it know, is. but I'm on the Hell's Kitchen channel where Hell's Kitchen plays 24 hours a day on my Samsung TV. Well, as soon as I turn it on, before I go to ESPN right. Plus, it right. goes yeah. right to. No, that's what mine does, Hell's but it Kitchen. does it with fucking Fear Gordon, Factor. I would have like such a, a terrible opinion. I just sit around thinking, oh, those girls were pretty hot, but uh, I mean, the, the Fear Factor, like everyone would look do good. Do you jerk them. off while you're watching Fear Factor? I don't. I don't. Don't be, not, I don't not be every, involved. Not every time. I don't want to be involved. In not every process. time. I got to be in the, something else had to have happened. And then, you know, Fear Factor just got in the way. Gordon Ramsay, if I didn't know any better, I think he's the meanest guy on earth. Because every time I turn on the TV, he's yelling at somebody. Right. Like every time. Every time. He's fucking screaming and yelling at people because that's the shtick. Like you could develop a very bad perception. But he's, but he's not like that in real life. Do you know him in real life? I don't know. Can't be. Someone would beat the fuck out of him by now. Right. <laughs> I think people have. I think he's a prick. <laughs> I think you know that's. I think that's the word on the street. What's the word on the street? He's a prick. He's kind of a prick. I think to be great. I've never met him either. The I guy know. could be the nicest be guy, the nicest like a guy. plate of butter. I bet he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great chef. Great chefs are wild people. They're yeah, like people that create great food, or they're they're like great musicians or great comics. They're wild artists. Right, a different kind of pe person. It is an art. I didn't really appreciate that until I met Bourdain when I, when I started talking to him. Especially when after I watched his show, I think that's when I first realized it. I was like, "Oh, this is an art form." I was used to think of it as just good food. That you know, that was a guy. I just I always thought I would be his friend someday. You would have been his friend. You know, I just always thought, God, you know, I could watch that guy. He just seemed so so honest and genuine. He He's I just an invite awesome. you into his life. You know, and you follow awesome him. Guy. That was great. I didn't. I wish I could have set that up. I wish I could have got you guys together. He's a great guy. Well, it's too late now, Joe. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks. Do you know how I found out? Uh, Maynard from Tool texts me. And he goes, I guess the uh, celebrity jiu-jitsu match is off. And I was like, what? Because he used to joke around about like having a celebrity jiu-jitsu. Maynard's really good. By the, by, <clears throat> excuse me. By the way, Maynard just got his black belt, so congratulations. Maynard Keenan from Tool. He's a legitimate yeah. black belt. Oh, yeah, like really good at jujitsu. I watched him train in here with Ron, uh, with John Donaher before we did a podcast. He trained right next door at the gym, but uh, you know he's like uh, like a really legitimate jujitsu guy. There it is. That's him.
Oh, wow. So, Ron White, that's your next move. Jiu-Jitsu? Jiu-Jitsu, or Ron White. You. Ron White, Jiu-Jitsu. I want a band. You want a band? <laughs> do you? No, I don't want a band. No, you know what I want to do? Uh, I, I want to, besides the religion. Can I ask know, you, or, did you ever do the uh, the show in L.A., the Grand Bam Comedy Jam, whatever yeah. it is? What is it? How, goddamn, Goddamn Comedy right. Jam. Yeah, Josh Ademeyer show? Yeah. What'd you sing? Uh, give me three steps. <laughs> It was great. You know, that had that electric violinist yeah. doing lead guitar stuff, and oh, it was nice. fun as shit. And, and uh, I think Bill Burr was that night playing drums. Uh, Bill is a really good drummer. Yeah, he was. I was fucking shocked. Bill Burr is a really dedicated drummer. And, and I, and I got to tell you, I killed it. Nice. I, uh, I, I practiced it. You know, at the time no I was shit. with a with a I was with a singer, so she helped me get the beats on it and went to the. Thing that don't get outside of that because you can't get outside of that. You got to sing it under this. Nice. And I gotta, so I thought, you know, nice, nice. I pressed the chicks. I think that night. Fuck yeah, you did. That's a great song too. Any Skinner song. That's a wild band too, right? Think about those dirty white dudes from oh, Florida. Man. Yeah, I saw them on the concert when I was a kid. You know, at the. In fact, I think it's the same place that Olstein preaches at now. It really? Was the, it was. Uh, what was it? The Houston. Uh, I can't He's even remember the, the name of it. Something Dome or something. The Coliseum. Where's he at? I can't think of the name of it. Isn't that wild? You bought that for Jesus. <laughs> bought a giant. How many right seats? Where is I that? saw Skinner. It's like sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand for Jesus. But I, I don't know. That's... Twelve million. Joel Olstein, uh, Houston's Compact Center. Yeah. Wow. No, this was another step. Oh, the this church spent ninety he... million to renovate it. They spent ninety on it. They got it for twelve, and they spent ninety. How dope is it? No it's, wonder it's, why they didn't want no, the they fucking they... refugees in there. <laughs> I swear to God, God, they didn't let them in. It's ninety million dollars. Yeah, no way. They, 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 and, and he literally said something about it. they had just. Wow, Look at this. And these people, That's why. and you know, he basically preach, preaches it's okay to be, uh, it's okay to be rich. And these people in that thing, they're like, "That's what I want to hear. I want to hear it's okay for me to have my hunk of the pie, and mm. I don't have to feel guilty for it." And by God, I'm white, and I don't, you know, yeah. not that they're all white, but what are you saying, Ron? <laughs> I don't. I'm just saying that that, that my my religion is going to be different. It's, what are you going to do? You're going to be poor? No, I'm not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 like no, 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 no. If you it, could be it, the guy it, with 90 cars, but still be delivering the real right. shit, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't have 90 cars. You I don't need 90 three, cars. I got three cars. 90 cars is like 90 cars you have to keep like fixed, keep changing oil. and Pay insurance on them. What are you doing? You that's too many. It's too many Rolls Royces. But if you're just going to be some high baller guru type character that really is <laughs> connected to the God force of the universe, that guy used to. <laughs> you should people, have it all. He used yeah. to give people orgasms yeah. oh, by touching there. their foreheads. Look at there. Didn't he give people orgasms by like touching their temples and shit? He could if, do some wild if stuff. If somebody could do that to me, I would follow him anywhere. I think he could do it. If you could fucking. I, I didn't care who it was. Well, if that was they the could guy. Do that, I'd, if that frog could do it, I would follow that. <laughs> frog that the the cult that you made me buy the building that guy did that to people he gave him orgasms he did yeah yeah the guy was he was a hypnotist <laughs> it's a great documentary it's called the, holy hell the, <laughs> he hypnotized people yeah he hypnotized them and then uh, he changed his name his name and, was uh, and, jaime gomez uh, but that was like Nobody's going to go for that. That sounds like a boxer on an right. undercard of a Canelo fight, right? So he changed his name to Michelle. 
And then he changed it again when he moved to Texas. He moved to Texas because the Cult Awareness Network they was were already on his locking ass. on them. They were on his ass. And after Waco, yeah. they were cracking down. Like, e fuck enough of this shit. After Waco, they were like, oh, this is crazy. These people have guns. They're just fucking everybody's wives. And they're stockpiling yeah. food and preparing for a war, a Christian war, and shooting at cops. Like, yeah, nothing scarier than that Ooh, crowd. Ooh, that's scary. When you yeah. get that apocalyptic preacher guy who's willing to lie yeah. in there with a bullet singing a song for everybody, yeah. he really believes. And that, that's a death cult. That's the, he wants to go down in a blaze of glory. He wants to be martyred. That's the scariest. There, there's a scariness to that for sure. That's a weird thing, huh? So many people go down that road of either starting one or believing in one. It's like a natural inclination that people yeah, have to just but, follow you people. Know, all you have to do is look at what Jim Jones was able to pull off. And, and there are people complete, complete, complete control of I thought, all those people to the point where they killed themselves. I thought that was the case. I think some of the people were forced into it now. Now, now that uh, I read into it more, it seems like some of the people they were, were forced. They were forced to go to Jonestown. No, but they didn't now, they know may that have they were going to die. I used to think they all just died on purpose, but now I think a bunch of them were forced into doing it. Um, you know, there's probably when he, when there's a mass death, there's probably going to be a few reluctant people. Yeah, it, right at the end, going, yeah. yeah, I didn't know you were. But this serious. dude, this dude, when the Cult Awareness Network was after him, he moves to Austin and then has his followers build him that theater so he could dance in front of them. The videos right. online, I know that the I've videos seen, are incredible. It, yeah, he's a really good dancer. <laughs> Better, better than me. <laughs> he was know? really good. He's beautiful too. Best one in his row. Yeah, good looking guy until later when he had all the surgeries That's done. That's when he got weird. To... He started getting old. Yeah, you couldn't, gotta, couldn't deal with it. You got to let age come, man. Well, You're, are you, know... you a guru or are you a dude who's hypnotizing people and butt fucking them? Right. Well, this is how we find out what Which, happens when you age. <laughs> right. Which is legal. Right? <laughs> he was doing everything above ground. I don't know if he had to pay taxes. Like, that's the question. Were they an established religion? Because the only person that I know of that it's actually, I, I know people have done it, but the only person I personally know of is uh, Alex Gray, the visionary artist from New York. Do you know who he is? No. He actually put together a real church. It's a church of his art. Is it the, was he called the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors? What does he call it again? Is that it? So he has this insane art structure that's in the woods in upstate New York, and Alex, I know you've seen Alex Gray's work before. I'm sure it's I all sure visionary, yeah. psychedelic, DMT type oh, yeah. things like that. Like I mean, this is his work. Show his building, Jamie, because the built. No, no, I'm saying the outside of the building because the outside of the building, like the front doors, are all 3D printed works of his art. That's the inside. It's fucking incredible looking. That's what it looks wow. like. That's what it looks like on the outside of it. I mean. This is, this is the, yeah, this is the CGI. Right but it does look like that now, right? That's right. This is a picture of that with that thing on top. Right. You see, the, I, would, I think there's some other perspectives. Maybe there's some other photos that'll show different. Ver yeah, there it is. Like, this is, oh, no, this is the bullshit version, too. This is just with the front of their website. I think there is some imagery somewhere of the front. But whatever it is, wow. like, this guy has a legit church. So. He has actually gone through all the steps to and, create a church. And they and, worship him? No, no, no. Well, then... No, 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 no. They I just think, worship his art? I'd, I would be speaking out of turn if I said what they worship. I think it's more of uh, the psychedelic experience in its most uh, pure and loving form. 
if I had to, if I had to like boil it down to what they believe in, that's what Alex Gray believes in. And all of his art, this is all like these sacred tryptamine type images. I mean, it, he's like the only guy that I've ever seen that captures like certain aspects. Do you know this guy? Yeah, yeah, he's been on the podcast before. He's really cool. No shit. Yeah, really cool guy. Uh, and his wife is really cool too. She's been on here as well. And like, look at all of his work. It's like, it's amazing stuff. God but he's got a real damn. church. This is the only guy that I know that's actually made a real church. Where I'm like, oh, I believe him. I believe him. That's not a guy who's trying to Joel Olstein in. He's not trying to buy 98 Bentleys. Right. That's really who he is. He's just a real fascinating artist. There's a bunch of people that have Alex Gray tattoos. It's probably like one of the most The gray-haired guy? Yeah, the gray-haired guy with the ponytail. Yeah. yeah. Sweetheart of a guy. Wow. So and, that's an example his, of like... What's his tax status down there at the church? Of, it's a good uh, question. Art. I think he got it through. I think yeah. it's a legitimate church. A nonprofit organization formed in 1996 to create a permanent public exhibition of the sacred mirrors. Um, but I think they got like a tax-exempt status. Yeah. File, no, established in 2008 as an interfaith church. Wow. Yeah. So from 2008, I guess, they established it as an actual church. Don't you church. have to have a doctrine that you Well, here it is. Well, well, you... it says, I'm sure they do. I just don't know what it is. Uh, provides unique creative events and workshops in a spiritual context. Like, what is their, um, what is the, do they, do they say their, what they believe? This is, I'm on their vision page and we're just Right, what is it? it? Okay, scroll down. What are we? Qu scroll above that so I can read the text about it. I that. mean, I would join just so I could yeah. hang out there, you know? It's a place of contemplation and worship for community honoring the practice of art as a spiritual path. Wow. Cosm's site and structure provides a living model of the ideals expressed through the inspiring artwork of the collection and the exhibitions, the writings of the founders, and invited contributors. So they just take cool artists and their art, and they show it to people, and their their spirituality is based on creativity. Ah. And it's amazing art, man. This stuff is fantastic. It's where so, is it? New York, somewhere in New York. Um, like New York State. Uh, oh, yeah. Wappinger, Wappinger, New York. Oh. Yeah. I think I'm in Syracuse. I wonder if it's anywhere near well, that. Just go there. Maybe yeah. he's got a course, how to start a, a cult. I got a bus. I yeah, can... just go down there and go, look, I want to start my own thing. The, you know, Chapel of Sacred Hee-Hees and Ha-Has. He may have classes. Isn't, <laughs> isn't like comedy kind of a form of religion <clears throat> in some way? It is for us, Joe. It is. It is. You know? It's uh, you 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 find I mean just making people laugh is a good thing to do. It's you know, a great it's thing a, to do. It is. It's fun. And I can't tell you how how grateful people are, you know that uh, just how hard we make them laugh. You know that they it's just so much fun to do. If you can even remember, yeah, to be somebody that wasn't a comedian watching a comedy show and how hard you can laugh. At, you know, at that experience when you know it just jar. I remember I saw Seinfeld one time. And uh, in a comedy club, you know, and it, it, he had full-blown chops, and it was all never heard it before. He beat me to death. I mean, to death at the, uh, uh, whatever, the improv in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I had a table right off the, it was my birthday. I'd only been doing stand-up for about six months. I wasn't in the oh, show. They just gave nice. me the chair. He was making 25000 for the week, and we were like, no fucking way! Who, nobody makes that much money in the world. Yeah, doing stand-up at a club. And this is the 90s, right? The 80s. What year is that? It would have been 80s? 86. 86. I saw Seinfeld for the first time in 88 before I did stand-up. Like, right before I did stand-up. 
I was probably maybe 80, 87. I, it was at the Paradise, which was a comedy club in, uh, it was like a, it was a big place that was connected to Stitches. So Stitches was the comedy club and that was small. I think it's seat, it would seat about 150 or so. And then the Paradise, which is next door, was bigger. But it only sat like maybe 500 people. I'm just guessing, four or 500 people. And so Seinfeld was there. And I took him with this uh, girl that I was dating and just fucking cried. Couldn't believe how smooth he was. Yeah. Uh, so it was smooth. So, it was so, so, so yeah, fun was, to see. Back then, you know, he was doing yeah. all those sets, you know, all those sets every night. He's the one that said, you know, a comic should be on stage. I heard him say it yeah. every single day. And, uh, and that, you know. Yeah, he's got a crazy it, workout. That's the reason sure. I tried to stay on stage every single day was because of what Seinfeld said. And yeah. Yeah. There's something to that for sure, but I remember back then, like thinking about doing stand-up, like, oh my god, I could never do this. And then going to an open mic and going, oh, I could do this. Like the yeah. difference between like <laughs> watching <laughs> right. crazy people bomb. You're like, oh. oh yeah. Richard Jenny yeah. said it best. He said, "Terrible comedy gives people in- inspiration to try comedy. <laughs> That's what this the purpose it serves." Right, I can for sure do that. He was a guy I got to see live uh, a, a, quite a few times. Yeah, but I got to see him before. I, maybe I had just done an open mic or two, but I was sitting front row at Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge. Yeah, and he was doing the weekend there. God damn, he was good. Uh, there was nobody better than him. I don't think at his, at his peak. It was just so much power, and, so much writing, yeah. and so smooth, and so many tags, and it's just yeah. like just a consummate professional, consummate professional. Like he was a, just a joke writing machine. Yeah. Man. He could take any premise, any premise, and turn it into a closing bit. Right. It's crazy. And, and it was that's what it was like. It was like watching somebody that had nothing but closing bits. You know, yeah, that's crazy. how hard you laughed at this show. I've told this before, but I'll tell it again just because it's so crazy. <clears throat> East Side Comedy Club in Long Island. Um, I had I went there at the uh, I don't know if I was there on Sunday or I was there after Jenny's shows were done. So when I got there, the fucking host was depressed, and I'm, we were all talking about like, what's the matter? He goes, Jenny did a different hour every show. He goes, he did two different hours on Friday and then two different hours on Saturday, and he fucking killed. And the guy was like, I want to quit comedy. Like, what am I doing? The fuck am I doing? This guy just did four different hours and murdered. That's crazy. Crazy. I should quit. You watch something like that. Like, I mean, he was like... He it just people just forgot. That's one of those ones. Like I know Chris Rock gives well, it up to him. Some a lot. <laughs> some people, you know, they inspire yeah. people to quit. Well, you know, I, he he definitely I would raise up. the bar. He definitely would raise the bar. His I, I saw him kill at the Comedy Works in um, Montreal. Remember that little room, that little tiny room yeah. upstairs? Oh yeah. I saw him kill up there talking about buying a Corvette. How do you oh. make that funny? How do you make buying a Corvette funny? I have no idea. It was hilarious. He was murdering. He was a murderer. He could anything, any subject. He could find it. He'd find the angle. Yeah. I remember the one thing he did. It was just about a look in his eye that whenever he, all he did was move his eyeball and he, and he would show you how far he moved his eyeball and that's how the fight started with his wife and but it was just uh, it real insightful, and then it was so subtle that it you know it was just so expertly fucking done that it yeah. just killed me. Yeah, he's one just of the greats. Just fucking man. killed me. Yeah, he was one of the greats. I gotta write something down before I forget. Yeah, it's it's just so interesting. To think about the guys that inspired you when you first started doing stand up. You know, when you first started, like what that was like to see someone who was really good at this thing that was just like. It was just a weird, foggy dream in the first couple times you go on stage. Like, 
how does anyone ever really become a professional? And then you watch a master go up and murder. And right. you're like, holy yeah. shit. And then you realize he's nobody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that there yeah. are guys that make him Tennyson. look like a, you know, <clears throat> like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, I, you, you kind of have a realm of comedy of what you can see. And, 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 and in Boston, that would have been a much bigger glimpse than you would get in Arlington, Texas. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you got whatever headliners came through the funny bone chain. And they were all great. You know, they all killed everybody. And, and nobody really went on to do her tremendous businesses like Foxworthy right. and me and Dan and yeah. <laughs> the the blue collar boys I, there wasn't a lot of guys well you that, guys opened the door for a lot of new guys that came after you though a lot of guys were inspired by that for sure I, I hope so but it's like you need a community you know and Boston had a crazy community they had a community of assassins that were local guys and then new people were coming in every week that were like big national headliners so you'd have all these murderous local guys and then Dom Herrera would fly in for a weekend you know, Bill Hicks would fly in for a weekend. They had all the, like, road killers. Like, right. whenever a big national act was killing it on the road, they would stop at Nick's Comedy Stop, and we'd right. all watch them. So they had the whole thing. It was like a, a perfect training ground for yeah. learning how to do stand-up. Yeah, they never gave a fuck about me in Boston <laughs> until, <laughs> I, until I got bigger, you know. Than, yeah, but that's always how Bob. it is. There was too many people there. Yeah, they, that's right. They had guys. It was yeah. like Denver. You know, you, mm -hmm. Denver never gave a fuck about me, but I would look at their list of headliners and go, you know, they got Louis Anderson. They got all these, you know, big name fucking comics, mm -hmm. and I wasn't a big name fucking comic, and I didn't, I didn't belong on that list. So. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. But you have to have a scene like that. You know, that's where, that's where like, talent emerges from, and that's what's been really fucking cool about being able to do that here, is that to take this place that had a scene, there was an Austin comedy scene. It's the reason why I came here is there was already a club here. It went under during the pandemic, right. but it, it still existed. Sure. And it was always a fun place to work. And then to have a, all of that. You were here first. So you were the one. Before I the pandemic even hit, you were already here. Yeah. And you were telling me, I fucking love it. I was like, damn it, Fran White loves it. has got to be something to it. Right. And you were like, it's I'm reasonable. Shit. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. It's not too big, not too small. Everybody's cool. <laughs> like, God damn it. And I had already thought about it before because of on it, you know, because the, the business is here. Is I'd have to come down to do stuff occasionally anyway, and I was always coming down to do stand-up anyway, and I always loved being down here, but it wasn't until the pandemic, and it wasn't until you getting on stage. That one time when you get on stage, and you, you hadn't got on stage in fucking forever, and you grabbed me by the shoulder. You grabbed me, and you go, we are going to fucking do this, whatever it takes. Yeah. You're going to open up that club. Right. I meant it, too. You I know? know you did. I'm, and still do to this fucking day. I'm behind that 100%. You know, my know. effort, and I talk about that club on the, you know, on the road and my shows and just how much it, you know, how much it means to me and how cool it is. It means and, it to me, too. Yeah. It means it to me because you're there, too. It's, it's everybody together in this is a, a really like, exciting it, camaraderie. It's a, it's a great tribe, and, uh, and it's fun. And, and we're that's we're blessed to have it yeah it's very yeah. cool very cool but you saying that to me that day i mean i was gonna do it anyway for sure but that was an extra fucking turbo gear that was an extra kick in the pants i was right. like let's Good. go i made some extra phone calls try to close it up figure out what the problem was it was just we had a big adjustment for moving from the old place to the new place that was a big pain in the ass because we had spent a considerable amount of time and effort, you know, architects were involved and right. drawing up plans and people had gone to look at it. And then, and when it all fell through, they're like, fuck, we got to start from scratch. Yeah. But. And everybody blamed me. 
Ah, well, people didn't believe it. That's what was funny. But that's also what makes it more fun when it does open. Because people are like, he's never going to do it. Like, okay, just sit back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've got some crazy plans. If I, if I hear you say you're going to do something, I just, <laughs> how long is that going to be? It's going to happen quick. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's... I would have hap- it would have happened quick. We would have had this place open probably inside of a it, year. It was perfect the was way perfect. it did happen. A lot of anticipation yeah. from all of us. It made and us all nervous. The you fact know? that even with all that anticipation, it's still gets an A. Right. It still gets no, an A. It like sure he, does. I know it's sure my does. place, but yeah, shut right. the fuck up. Yeah. That place is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. The place no. is perfect. We made it perfect. And we got lucky right. that we got the right people and the right architect. Shout out to Richard. The people that put it together did an amazing job. And it's also like the vibe there is so strong. It's very fun. It's, it's real positive. Well, you know, we all feel like it's ours. And yeah. even though you, you pay all the bills and shit, <laughs> you know. Well, it, yeah. it pays the bills now. They got <clears throat> so, and you know, people don't don't know that eighty percent of the door from the go to goes to the comics, and uh, so there's also no opportunity for a comic to make money, that kind of money in a local gig at home anywhere on the fucking planet Earth. That opportunity does not exist. And, well, uh, so it's not. I would never do it if I was going to do it for money. I would never do it that way. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> no, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> You're making yeah. less money. Yeah, I but, decided to get in the comedy club business. Uh, you know, like, oh wow. I didn't get in the comedy club yeah. business. I got yeah, in no, the the business of making comedy and and having a place for comedians. That was the business was right. my idea was set up the ideal spot. And what's the ideal spot? Well, the ideal spot was that the, the comedians would get the bulk of the money because the comedians are doing all of the work. They're the ones that have to come up with the jokes. They're the if we don't have the comedians, we're just selling drinks. Right. Like this is nonsense. Right. So like it's obvious like what people are there for. I knew that when I started getting a percentage of the door. Right. I knew how it works, but like that should be that way regardless. Like that's the real relationship. You're selling what we do. Right. You shouldn't be getting 80% of the money. 80% of the money should be going to the comedians. That's crazy. There's so much money from booze. You sell money in alcohol. You yeah. sell money in... Well, there's still money. You can tell the guy that owns the place doesn't give a shit about it turning a profit. My and, idea uh, is just don't, don't no, lose I, money. I, I, just break you, even. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah, you know, it's great. That's it's how it should be. Thing. And it's it. And if you do it that way, then it's really like deeply. In, there's a commitment to this idea. Like we're all committed to this idea. Just making the most fun possible, the most comedy possible. Do our best. Have a great community. Yeah. Have a great tribe. Have a great vibe. We're all feeding off each other and talking shit to each other and having a good old time in the back. And then it fuels us to go on stage. We're watching each other from the balcony. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. It's fun. It's, it's very the funnest thing ever. I'm very happy you're part of it, my Fact, brother. Uh, hey, brother, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's great. I love being part of the fucking team. You know? I love you having you here, man. I love everybody. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to headline the room Tuesday night, I think, the 10 Beautiful. o'clock show. Beautiful. Are you doing the 7 o'clock show? Yeah, I'm doing the 7 o'clock show. I'll come do it. Okay. All right. Beautiful. All right. All right, man. I'll see you on All Tuesday. All right. Love you, man. Get love you, too. Bye, everybody. Bye.